is like a moment from a horror movie. You have been hanging out in the wrong clubs, Mr. Wayne. I've seen this movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Join the club. We've got jackets. And you stole it from a movie. We want you in our club, kid. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and I'm moving a little slow because it's been a long week. And with me, as always, is Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And we'll call her Scorsese because it's Martin Scorsese month. And we are three, this is episode three, three movies into the month. Um, this time around, we're going to be reviewing his film, uh, his first feature film, Mean Streets, from 1973. And uh, it's finally a big check on my list. I've been meaning to get to this one for a while. Um, Corey had not saw- seen this one either. So we'll be talking about it in, at length here in a little bit. But before we do that, we like to catch up and see how things are going. And it's it's not great because we are recording this just a couple of hours after Ruth Bader Ginsburg's death was announced. And so we're all a little sad and a little worried. But we're not going to dwell too much. But is there anything uh, you want to add, Corey, before we move on to our like personal reasons for being slow and, and sad and such? Um, I did just want to let everyone know, uh, if they've been interested in watching that really great documentary that we're both fans of, um, RBG, it is streaming on Hulu. I actually got to see it in our small, like art house theater a couple years ago, um, with a friend and I definitely suggest it. And it sounded like you definitely would too. Yes. A hundred percent. Um, I watched it on, I think I watched it on Hulu actually not too long ago and it is, it's very good. Um, I learned a lot about her. If you are, um, if you're not one to like study politics or, or uh, history, even, uh, and I'm not saying that judgmentally, I am usually not one to do those things. So this documentary is a really great way to kind of know who she was and why so many people are sad about her passing. Um, there's other reasons, but that just the fact that we've lost a hugely influential and amazing person is always going to be sad, even when she's fought so hard and lived a very long life. Uh, I think she was 83, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and while we would always like to have a little more time, 83 is, is definitely a great life. Uh, and again, she did so much in that life too. So it it is, the documentary is pretty outstanding and definitely worth your time to watch. Um, especially if you already have Hulu. Mm -hmm. But other than that, Corey, have you had a decent week? No, Bill and I had time off together (laughs) for our anniversary number 19. So that should have been good then, right? But, I mean, like, we wanted to go to a couple different places around here. Bill's, like, really into geology. Nerd. Mm. <laughs> um, but um, we wanted to go hiking at a couple places or go kayaking at my favorite place in Idaho. And it, I'm sure everyone has heard about all the fires in California and mm-hmm. Oregon and Washington. And I live in Idaho. We're right by there. Our air quality has been awful which who am i to complain we still have our home we're still safe um but i just we didn't feel like it was a good idea to be outside because air quality was so bad so we stayed at home i mean i guess more quarantining yeah i mean you know quarantation when you're in vacation and quarantine (laughs) i Um, guess at least i didn't have to work well, you know, that's I listen to a lot of podcasts that are from various areas across uh, the world, really. And one thing that um, it always shocks me because Florida, we've been reopened since like June, right? And so, like, every there's so many other places that are still like on full lockdown. And so, like, people would be like, "Oh, but you can't do that." I'm like, "Really? 
And it's not like I'm not like I'm not doing a lot of those things, but I'm hearing like that you can't. And it's like here it's like I choose not to because I don't want to get COVID. And uh, so it's always like kind of mind boggling to me. Like other people are still on quarantine when I was I was on quarantine for the last 24 days because my wife got COVID. And then I had the incubation period. I thought I had a scare where I thought I had COVID because I had a very bad, well, very bad, a strong, I had a mild fever. Like I was like 101 on Monday, which immediately though, my brain said, oh, it's COVID because Kathy had COVID. It's, it's still within the 14 day window must be COVID. And so I tell my work and, uh, you know, they're like, okay, well you, you, you know, you're going to have to be on more quarantine. So I'm like, great. I've already missed the first like 20 something days of school with, and because of so many people were on quarantine, I've only missed an actual week with students on campus. Oh, um, because we delayed the start for them. Like we've had online school when it was supposed to start, but we delayed them being there. But still, I missed a whole week with my students. Again, I was teaching the whole time uh, online. So even the kids in my classroom, they're like, there's a sub there, but they're like talking to me on the computer kind of thing. Um, weird. It, it is very weird. And uh, talking is a strong statement. Most of them are, are mics off. And uh, to be honest, there's sometimes I don't know for sure if they're actually there or not. Like it says they're there, but they may not be. Um, they're doing their work, the ones that are online. So, I mean, eventually they're doing their work. So I have to believe that they're there, but it, it definitely feels like, cause I get some questions where I'm like, you weren't listening. Were you, you were, I can tell. Cause that question was, I literally just answered that, but you know, that happens in the classroom too. So I, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's the same thing. Kids are going to find ways to not do what they're supposed to do if they don't want to do it. Cause you can't make people do things if they don't want to, they'll give you the illusion that they're doing things. You know, like I was a kid in the back of the room. If I didn't like my class, I was sleeping with my, like on my hand, you know, I try to look like I was reading, but I was asleep. And, you know, so like, I know, I know kids are going to find ways, but, and we try not to let them find ways, but I know it's going to happen no matter what the situation is, right? Like people like, oh, the, they text in class. I'm like, yeah, they passed notes 10 years ago. What are you talking about? They always do that. Like that's, it's just, a, it's easier, but it's always been, you know, like that's it's just like, a I feel like, media, some, man. <laughs> right. I feel like sometimes we try to act like we were not like that, but it's like, we were like that. We were, we were awful just like they are awful sometimes. So, you know. The, most of the time it's not awful but it, you know what i'm saying like we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing all of the time because we're people and people make stupid choices like that's just what happens but i went on a real tangent but i'm about to go back to work finally i i do not have covid i i uh, in fact i'm not even sick anymore i, I the my health regiment and i'm going to uh, attribute also like eating a crap ton of zinc and vitamin c over the, the few days that i was uh feeling sick um, I knocked it out in two days, basically. So if it was COVID, I crushed it. And if it wasn't COVID, which it probably wasn't, it was probably the flu. Um, I was able to get over it really quickly. And again, it wasn't really ever bad. It was I had a, a mild fever. It made me feel real fatigued and sluggish. Um, Taylor actually had it worse. Uh, she had like body aches. I didn't have that. I had a mild headache. Like it wasn't. It, it was never like I get migraines sometimes, and th those are debilitating. This was like, yeah, yeah. I'm, I can't think quite as clear as I normally do, but I'm all right. You know, like I could, I could sleep a little longer, but I'm okay. Um, and, uh, yeah, but so, so far, and again, the test said it was negative. I was in severe disbelief that the test was negative. Like I argued with the nurse. I'm like, are you sure? And I don't usually do that, but I was just like, this, this can't be right. They're like, how could it have been in my house? And I don't know if I told you this, Corey, but before Kathy was diagnosed, like literally like two days before she got tested and found out it was COVID, I'm asleep. She's asleep. I awake because she coughed on my face <laughs> in her sleep. Oh, no. 
And so then two days later, she gets it. I'm like, well, I have it because you woke me up with coughing on me. Like, So there's no way. And again, uh, apparently not. So, uh, you know, it, it's – and again, I'm not exhibiting any symptoms. I haven't had a fever in two days, so I, I've met all the criteria. So with the negative result and then the fact that I no longer have any symptoms, um, I am clear. But I still like – I'm just like – Mm, these tests make me nervous, man. What? Because it, it could be that Kathy's test was a false positive, you know, and she never had COVID. She just had the flu. Or mine could be false negative, and I do have it, but it's not, you know, the symptoms are gone already. Like, I, it's all, all of it scares me. And so the uncertainty of this virus is very, very stressful. Um, but yeah, and I did, I had a coworker who was in the hospital. Um, I won't obviously say names or anything, but uh, it was looking, it was scary. Um, he sent a video uh, to our school, like he he made a video, uh, like just begging our students, like please look, this is serious. Wear your mask. Don't don't mess around, kind of thing. And this is a guy I've known for, I've worked with for ten years, and he's super strong. He's he's easy to to be intimidated by, but he's also one of the kindest people I've ever met in my life. Right, like um, just such a such a inspiration to work with this guy for ten years, and then to see him barely able to speak for twenty seconds because of how hard he was hit by COVID was scary like i don't know if i've been that scared of this virus until that moment like i was and i've taken it serious from day one maybe day two i was a little behind but i've been serious about it pretty much since they started like talking about it, it really since tom hanks announced that he had it then it got real serious for me yeah because and, if anything happens to tom hanks right so <laughs> um but seeing a person who i've like i know you know, like I, and just not being able to be himself and you could hear it in the voice. Um, and I think that shook all of us, but he is, he's out of the hospital. That's why I always said all this the good news is he's out of the hospital. So it looks like he's on the road to recovery, um, which is awesome. Cause it was, it was scary there for a minute, but, um, but yeah, other, you know, I'm excited to go. I'm, I'm nervous to go back, obviously like being in a room with a bunch of people, but from, you know, my interactions with them online and stuff, it, it, it I, I miss being in the classroom. Obviously, I, I wish it was the way it was before COVID, um, because that's what I love about teaching is, is getting to interact with my students, getting to know them, getting to introduce them to films and stuff. It, it is, it's the same online, but it's not. It's definitely, especially with the students who are my first year students. Oh the, yeah, build, building the connections a lot harder with the the screen between us and my my older students. It, it's you know we we already have a connection, so it's it's easier. It's still there's still like that the ones who I've had for four years, there's like no, nothing's changed. We're just remotely speaking, but the ones who are like two years in, there's a little bit of weirdness. Three years in, we're good. Um, although to be fair, three years in is also my kid's class. So like, she's literally in the other room in the classroom with, you know, like talking in the, the virtual chat. So it's kind of weird, but cause we could just sit together, but that would be weird too. You know, like teacher's pet. Um, so, but it's, uh, I'm, I'm excited about going back and nervous at the same time. Um, although, we have now because all of last year's testing was canceled because of COVID. Oh. They're now trying to make up all that testing. So like next week's not even a normal schedule for us, and it's going to be, eh, it's something like it's 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 weird because I'm going to be like two days normal, and then it's like three days of testing, and then I think the following week's supposed to be the same. So um, it's all it's all up in the air. It's all crazy, but you know, hey, we're trying. We're trying to make this world feel normal, and it's it's definitely not. But we're trying real hard. So. Down here in Florida, you know, we opened up early. Oh, uh, well, I mean, Idaho's not, like, completely closed up. It's kind of the same thing here. Bill and I are mostly just staying home or going to businesses that, you know, we feel like are taking 
precautions enough to make us, you know, feel safe enough to be there. Yeah. Well, um, let's get into what we've been watching since the last time we recorded. Uh, you want to go first or second? I'll go first. Um, it feels like a really long week. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I watched Alive. Um, I feel like that was on Shudder. Um, like the movie where they, the the plane crash and they like turn cannibals. No. Oh. Um, I knew I. I've totally like blanked out on this movie as soon as we started talking about it. Um, oh, I'm sorry. No, that's okay. That's my fault. Who forgets a movie that they watched less than a week ago? Um, I watched The Babysitter Killer Queen. Oh. On Netflix. Um, well, I really. Oh, go ahead. Oh uh, no! I, go ahead and say your part. I was just—I I had not seen the Babysitter, um, but Matt and I are covering the Killer Queen on Tuesday for Bamp, so uh, I watched both on Saturday. Oh. So I was just, um, but uh, go ahead. What, what were your thoughts of Killer Queen? Okay, so I think that these movies are hilarious and so much fun. I really like Samara Weaving. Mm. There we go. I love her. I think she's great. Um, I. I just think that this movie's great. Uh, I was laughing so hard. Bill was like sitting watching it with me and he was laughing too. I think the gore, it, it's just great. Um, yeah. Oh, oh wait. Go ahead. No, I just realized we already recorded our episode. I'm so out of it. We already did that episode. <laughs> oh my gosh, right? We, guys, this is just the John and Corey that you get from. I was like, when it stops. I was about to say, I was like, well, Matt said, and I was like, wait, how do I know what Matt thought? Oh my God. I already recorded. It's already posted. Like that episode came out Thursday. Um, you can listen to it now, uh, folks, if you'd like to. Oh my God. So I am clearly tired. And, uh, but I, we also liked it. Uh, Matt and I both kind of agreed. Like it's not an amazing movie, but it's a very fun movie. It's very, very watchable. Um, I, I do think the first one is better especially like story and dialogue but the second one is um for for a horror sequel i think that it is solid i mean i think that's fair i think that's a fair statement horror sequels traditionally go down in quality as they go uh it should be noted though that the the writer from the first film did not write on this one and they had three credited writers for the second movie which is usually Mm. not a good sign um and again a lot of the 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 jokes and stuff in the movie are rehashes of the stuff from the first film. I don't know how recently you watched the first one. Um, I literally watched them like within a couple of hours of each other. So like they were very fresh for me. So like by comparison, first film, definitely stronger. Uh, But the second film is, it's definitely watchable. There's, there's like most of my complaints are minimal um, and, and basically nitpicky to be fair. Um, it is cheesy, and but it it knows it's cheesy, and it's it's not trying to be anything else. It's it's, it's definitely worth it up watching. too, though. Right? Yeah. No. Exactly. Yeah. It, that's um the director is Mick G. That's his whole name. I don't know if you knew that or not. Yeah, I saw that <laughs> at um, the end of the movie, and I was like, "What?" <laughs> well, he directed uh, the original two Charlie's Angels films, not the original series, but the you know Cameron Diaz, Drew Barrymore, and Lucy Liu, mm. Charlie's Angels, which I loved when I was a kid. I don't know if they hold up at all. They probably don't. Um, Tom Green's Drew Barrymore's boyfriend, I think, and that was true in real life too, which is a weird oh. time we lived in at some point. Um, and he did a couple other movies that I 
think are all right, but it's just it, the, it's hard to take the name seriously. And also, I got to know, Corey, Matt and I spent a little bit of time talking about it. What did you think of the uh, corduroy suit? <laughs> Is this a serious question? I mean, yes. <laughs> um, that what's his name? Why am I forgetting the main character's name right now? It's not Josh. It's, it's Jonah. Jonah. Is it Jonah? Is that right? I f- I might be making that up. I don't know. We, our main character. Um, I didn't, I didn't mind it. I thought it was fine. Oh, his, I'm sorry. His, his the actor's name is Judah. His name is Cole. So we were Cole, way off. that's right. Okay. Um, I mean, I thought it was fine. All right. All right. Too many clothes for me, but. I don't know. A corduroy suit to me just seems like way out of style for like almost anybody, but like it totally feels like something a guy named Mick G would wear in my opinion. So oh gosh. Well, I felt like it fit our character, like a little bit of an outsider. Yeah, okay, a lot of an outsider. Part, part of my complaint actually was that it took two years for them to finally decide he needs to go to a high school psychiatric ward, um, which I don't think is a thing. I don't know, to be fair. But uh, I was like, two years went by before you thought it was time to take action, apparently. So, all right. Which they did because it was actually two years between filming. Like, I get why. I just think they could have made... I think there's better plot contrivances. Like, he could have been coming out of being locked up for two years, and that's why everybody's okay. treating him weird. Like, that's a simple Fair. twist that makes more sense. And um, it doesn't make him go on the run, but it could have made him go on the run, you know, immediately. Because it could have been like, he got out because everything's good, and then he freaks out. He thinks he sees her or something like that, you know what I'm saying? And then, oh, you're going back. And then he's like, screw that, I'm running. And that, you know, like, there's still more sensible ways to make the plot work without it feeling so contrived. And that's whatever. But, um, what else? Is there anything else you've been watching? Because I totally stole that one from you. But. I have a lot. I'm going to go back to Alive. Sorry. So it's a 2020 South Korean zombie film. Oh, wow. It, yeah, it's on Shudder. It just came out, I want to say, I think it came out last Friday. Don't quote me on that. But it it's pretty much just two characters. I mean, everyone else, you know. Oh, it's, hash, it's hashtag Alive. That's important. To oh, know. yeah. Sorry. Hashtag Alive. Um. So, um, I actually thought it was very good. Bill watched it with me and, um, he liked it as well. And we were talking about how, um, they really captured like the characters emotions in it. And it was very believable. Uh, you know, 2020, I'm just waiting for our zombie apocalypse. Um, well, I'm, I'm down cause I like zombie movies and I'm sending it to Matt as we speak. Cause Matt's a, a big fan. Yeah, I like, like it a lot. Um, if you guys don't like it, I don't want to know. No I'm kidding. Um, and then I watched all of season two of Nosferatu because that just came out, I think, on Friday on Shutter as well. Um, I watched The Disappointments Room, which was fine. It wasn't like I kind of liked the history behind it. Actually, um, I'm guessing that it's you know. I still need to do some research because if are disappointment you, rooms are real, I think that that's really crazy. Go ahead. Um, just to go back to a live, are you 100% sure you watched it on Shutter and not Netflix? Oh my god, you're right. Okay, yep, I'm sorry. I'm tired. It's on Netflix. That's right, because I think it's in the trending list. Yeah, it's because uh, Letterboxd, uh, well, I sent it to Big Tuna you know. as well, and Big Tuna was like, isn't that Netflix? I'm like, no. No, and then it's I was Netflix. Like, Wait, it, it's totally Netflix. 
I don't know. I like. I feel like I go through like the streaming services. I get overwhelmed by them, especially Netflix. Can we talk about how much I? This is where I would insert the F word. Hate their autoplay feature. Like I really hate it. It stresses me out. Like I'm just trying to read the synopsis. I don't need you like autoplaying the movie as well. Yeah. Yes. You mean when you hover over a movie? Yeah. Hundred percent agree completely. And also, sometimes I can't tell if I click the movie, if it's going to let me add it to my list, or if it's going to start playing the freaking movie. Yeah. Because it did that to me yesterday with something, um, I can't remember what it is. There's something I do want to watch, and I was like, oh, great, it's out. I'm going to add it to my list. And then it just started playing. I'm like, no, I don't want to play right now. I wanted to add it to my list because I'm busy. You know, <laughs> like Yeah, for later. Okay, I'm glad it's not just me. And I can't believe that we're the only two people in the world that hate that feature and i did try to find a way to shut it off but i couldn't find anything in the options i might go google food later and see if i can find something but i think that's the worst feature ever and i find myself avoiding netflix for it but i did go for it to a live tell big tuna i said thank you for the correction um and then i watched the first episode of season two of pin 15 on hulu just released today i think and so, guys, at least we have a lot of good movies and music and shows coming out this year, if nothing else. there And that's the thing. We've lost some of the stuff we were really hyped about, like the big blockbuster stuff. But there is a bunch of really great oh content that's coming out. Um, there's so many things I want to see on Netflix right now that I haven't been able to get to, including the uh, new Charlie Kaufman film. The um, Oh, yes. Which I can't think of the name of, but I like it's got Jesse Buckley. I'm Did thinking you, of ending it or something. Yes, and uh, the lead though is Jesse Buckley from the um, we watched Wildfire. The, remember the 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 movie with the Irish woman who wanted to be a singer and then she like Wild Rose. To be a singer? Wild Rose. Sorry, what did I call it? Wildfire. That's the uh, yeah. that's the that's. Oh my god, my brain is clearly not functioning. That's another movie I also have not seen yet. But I want to watch, but yes, Wild um, Rose. That's, Wild Rose was uh was Jesse Buckley though. That's who is the lead of the Charlie Kaufman. How did She's I not so realize that? because of the hair it's her hair looks so different and um but when i put it together i was like oh my god I, she's so great i i'm all I about that movie already wanted fact, to watch it but i know and tony collette's in it i mean the cast is yes. nuts anyways but um and then you and i have both mostly liked kaufman stuff um i don't remember your take on synecdoche i think it kind of bugged you more than liked but i think that um, it was too smart for me it took two watches for me to feel comfortable with it and i still like am not comfortable with it but i i I appreciate that movie on such a deep level. And obviously Brendan, uh, our, our friend of the show, um, had encouraged us to watch it. And it's one of his favorites and rightfully so. But uh, we watched Being John Malkovich for the podcast, which we both really liked, as weird as it is. I am a huge fan of Eternal Sunshine and Spotless Mind, which he didn't direct, but he wrote. Um, and I still have not watched Adaptation, which is like, I need to watch that ASAP. Is it because Nick Cage is in it that it's like throwing well, you off? No, I just haven't made, I haven't made the effort to get to it. Um, I like old Nick, like that's younger, like still a really good actor. Hasn't quite given up on everything type Nick Cage, you know? You know, he has a new movie uh, on Shudder. That's a Shudder exclusive, I think. Um, so there's that. I mean, uh, there are some people who have argued he's on a resurgence. Um, remember like Mandy did really well last year, but I didn't. Everybody like loves it. I haven't watched it. Matt and I both, actually Matt, I and Big Tuna, I, if I'm not, I'm fairly confident I'm right on that. None of us liked it, and it is, but it has a huge thing. It is very like, it's not my type of horror for sure. I don't, I don't think you would like it, but I'm not a hundred percent. But sometimes I throw you for a loop. I have one for more sure. movie. Mm-hmm. 
This is going to be controversial. Mm. Guys. I went to the theaters. Oh, good for you. And I saw Tenet. Oh, okay. Because I just couldn't miss seeing it on the big screen. So we went to a late night show and saw it in IMAX. But I don't think I'm going to be going back to the movies again for a while because my concerns were definitely 100%, you know, everything, uh, what I was afraid of it is, people you know. People not being responsible. And- right. I mean, obviously, they're selling concessions and there goes everything. So, um, yeah, I got the, the notification from the Regal app today that they added uh, free refills on large popcorn and soda. But yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Now, I still, though, I am planning on going this week. Um, I don't know for sure if I can fit it into my schedule. My goal is to go this week on a Monday or Tuesday when it's usually our, – our theater is not like your theater because you are in a big city and your theater is often packed. My theater is very rarely packed and it's usually only on the weekend and it's usually only for the big blockbusters. Otherwise, it's usually I, – I have seen a lot of movies by myself at my theater or at most like five other people. You know what I mean? Like that's the normal viewing. And I might go. I'm not planning on seeing Tenet first. I'm thinking of going to see the um, the movie with the dude. From, man, my brain just not cooperating. But there's a movie with the dude that plays Billy on Stranger Things and the girl from oh, yeah. um, Blockers. That looks yes. That is all about you know. I you know I how I am with rom coms. That is all about me. And I feel like most likely no one else will be there on a Tuesday night or something. And I, uh, Kathy's and I have been talking about going to the movies. I'm finally free of quarantine. So I think we might do that on a night where it feels like no one will be there kind of thing. And if there are a lot of people there, again, I am willing to bail because I, I still currently have my pass. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm still very apprehensive um, about going, but I feel like my theater is so often slow. Now I could be wrong. People might be going in cra- like crazily because of the lockdown like now that it's finally open maybe they're just flooding out to go to the theaters it doesn't look that way from box office numbers but that doesn't represent individual theaters you know that's overall there's still theaters that aren't open there's still states that won't let theaters open um so the box office numbers are hard to to really tell if that means people are going or not uh to where when they're open but so your experience was bad so that's that's not good well i mean there weren't a lot of people in my theater in my you know Mm-hmm. there were only seven of us but oh well, i mean no but still <laughs> um, yeah what night did you go we went on a sunday night at nine forty-five. so a later show on a sunday that's that makes sense that it wouldn't be very busy yeah um you you know like monday sundays mondays and i think wednesdays used to be pretty safe like all day on sunday used to be safe but it's growing so much around here that because we don't like to be in a packed theater um yeah, anyways, right? Like, even before yeah. the virus. Yeah, agreed. Um, and don't sit right next to me, dudes, when there are other seats available. Thank you so much. Especially my not now. But, um, all right, so yeah. I, I've I've watched a couple episodes of The the Legend of Korra, the uh, sequel to Avatar The Last Airbender. Uh, I'm almost through season two, I think. I'm, I'm kind of losing track of where I'm at, but it, I'm working my way through it. Um, I, I mentioned I watched The Babysitter and The Babysitter Killer Queen. I really like The Babysitter a lot. Killer Queen's good. Um, I need to say something else really fast about those movies. Yes. I am not that familiar with Bella, Bella Thorne, but she is so funny in those movies. 
Um, she, I think the the disdain for her comes from outside of her acting. Um, the people who don't like her, like she just recently, like um, very recently, like right before this movie came out. I don't know if it was publicity some, but she was like, I guess there's some kind of website for oh, yeah. adult entertainment, and she like sold. It's like pay per view, I guess. Like, and she sold a lot of, of like. I guess it's not tickets. I don't know. Entries, whatever. And made a lot of money, like $2 million or something in like one thing. And then didn't do anything sexual like on the screen. Like it was like she teased basically. I think um, that it was supposed to be like a full nude photo or something. And then it wasn't, but I'm not sure. I read like whatever, one article on it. But apparently like there's a lot of backlash because now like that site has now limited how many how much like the maximum tip can be and things like that. So like the people who were making a living doing it are now being kind of punished in a way. Like they can't make as much money as they were because of her. And so like, there was a big backlash from that, but I mean, um, and like her, she's a musician too. And like, is she? Yeah. Well, that might be generous, but she has an album that came out and I heard like three lyrics. And if you thought, if you think WAP or WAP, is it WAP? I don't know. I've never listened to it. If you think W A, well, they don't actually say it. They say the the it's it's an acronym. They say the words. Um, uh, it it, um, man, my brain is just like da da da. Uh, anyways, um, that the the, what I remember hearing the lyrics from the Bell of Thorns, I was like, wow, she's not even trying to use euphemisms. It's just like, boom. But um, oh, trying to be hardcore. And she was a Disney star, so that's you know what. yeah, 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 which is the norm. That's it. yeah. Um, she was on a, a show Taylor liked called um with Zendaya though. Uh, they were together and it was um, Shay some dance show. I don't remember what it was called, but they were like dancers. Like they were, it was like a sitcom, but they were like wanting to be like dancers. Like that was their thing. Um, like not like strippers. You know, I mean, oh man, I feel so dumb. I we ugh. sorry, folks. Uh, clearly this week has been a, a burden on both of us. Um, let me, so I've been watching Robert Zemeckis movies because, uh, the blank check podcast that I love to listen to are doing his whole filmography. And I learned something about myself, Corey. I have seen every Robert Zemeckis film except for five. Okay. And I had not seen his first three films, which is where of course they started. So I was behind by one. Um, and I'd already listened to the episode, but I went ahead and bought it, which is, I want to hold your hand, which Corey, you will love this movie. It is so up our alley. It's it's about a a bunch of fans trying to see the Beatles right when they come to the Ed Sullivan show, right? Like that's the time period, and it's them like scheming and trying to figure out how to get there. And it's it's funny. Um, you've seen Back to the Future, right? Oh yeah. You know Marty's sister that she's only in the movie for like a few scenes throughout the trilogy, but she's one of the leads in this movie. Oh. Um, and she's really good in this. So that's Zemeckis gets her here, then brings her back. And she's actually in uh, his second movie, and then the Back to the Future trilogy. Um, it has uh, Nancy Allen, who is from RoboCop. She's like the partner to RoboCop in in that movie. I don't know if you've ever seen the original RoboCop, but she's really good in this. Um, and then uh, have you ever watched Dexter's Laboratory? Oh yeah, I love that show. You know his like nemesis. Um, I can't think of his name. But he's like he's got a very distinctive like look and voice, and he's like you know all nerdy. Uh, the voice actor who does that character is in this movie as a kid actor. He's like a teenager in this movie, but has that oh, voice. God. Like you will recognize it immediately because it's a that's not a voice he's doing. That is apparently his voice. So um, 
and he's that type of character too. He's very nerdy and knows it all, and it's great. Um, but it's super fun. It's very funny. It moves very quickly. Um, then I watched. I actually watched his third movie uh, after that, which was *Romancing the Stone* with uh, Michael Douglas and um, Kathleen Turner. I think I'm saying that right. I hope it's Kathleen Turner and not somebody else. I will feel dumb. Um, I am correct. And Danny DeVito is in it too. Uh, yeah, I I always heard of this movie, but I'd never seen it. I had a blast with this film. I thought it, it's uh, it's that it, action adventure. Um, but with a little bit of romance thrown in there. And uh, I I had no idea, but I, I had a blast watching it. It was really, really entertaining. And then um, I went to his middle movie, which is called Used Cars from 1980. Have you seen this one? Mm-mm. Okay, so you're going to want to watch it because the lead and the first time as an adult and not doing Disney movies is Kurt Russell. What? And, oh, yeah. We stand Kurt Russell here on this podcast, everybody. And this movie... Right away, you just see how amazing he is. This is actually so it's they say it's before his John Carpenter stuff, but he did a movie called Elvis with Carpenter in '79. So I don't know for sure if this was filmed before Elvis, and so that's why it's his first like adult, like not adult again, it's not like an adult movie. Although, actually, yes, it is kind of a raunchy comedy at times, um, as was common in like the late 70s, 80s. You know, like there'd be the scene with the gratuitous nudity for whatever reason, but that's it's used for humor, but it's like it doesn't hold up well because of that, because it's like, like it's always men like overly groping women and stuff because it's the eighties and that's what was accepted. Um, but Kurt Russell is fantastic. No surprise there. Um, there's a few other people that I know from various movies, but I had not seen in anything like this. And I, it's super funny. It's very, very good. It's called used cars again. Um, just great. Uh, Again, there's a few parts that are, are problematic, but overall, it's super funny, and Kurt Russell just is powerhouse. If you're a fan of Kurt Russell, it's definitely worth uh, watching. But yeah, so the only other two movies of Zemeckis's that I've never seen is, is uh, a few years ago, he did a movie called Flight with Denzel Washington, um, and I, I have that. I just haven't watched it yet. And then he did the very much not, not loved uh, Beowulf with his uh oh. he got into the motion capture stuff like real hard um he has like a little run where he does uh polar express he does the jim carrey christmas carol he uses the mocap stuff in marwin which is a nightmare of a movie in its own right um and then he did the beowulf movie and i, I think i covered that i think that's all of the mocap stuff but it's 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 a weird kind of uncanny valley looking thing when you do the mocap a lot of people don't like polar express because of the way it looks I, I enjoy Polar Express. My wife and I watch it literally every Christmas, um, which we do with the, most of those Christmas movies. I've seen Christmas movies way more than I've seen any other movie. Um, but uh, yeah, but I'm, I'm, I was excited because I, I really like Robert Zemeckis anyways. Like I'm a huge fan of Back to the Future. Like the trilogy is one of my favorite trilogies. Like I hold it up in the same regard as like the original Star Wars. Like those two trilogies are like so so important to me and honestly the bill and ted trilogy is up there right now too guys if you haven't seen the new bill and ted yet but um i i've seen a bunch of stuff because he's his his career is weird like it gets real weird obviously he's done forrest gump almost everyone's seen forrest gump forrest gump's great it's it's hard to not appreciate forrest gump i i think it's got some flaws but other people love it it's it's one of those movies that if like you're non like movie crazy people like me where we watch way too many it's to me it's like Shawshank Redemption or Forrest Gump is often used as like what's your favorite movie? Forrest Gump, Shawshank Redemption. Oh, those two Forrest movies Gump's so good. 
Right. It's it's. I'm not again. I'm not arguing against it. But Zemeckis, that's where he gets his Oscar, and it kind of takes a career turn, and then he does some weird stuff. You know, again, Marwin is wow. Um, such a weird freaking movie. But uh, he's supposed to have coming out this year a movie called The Witches, which I think is a remake. What? Of that old movie, and it's got Anne Hathaway and somebody else is in it, and um, I'm I was intrigued, but I don't know if they're going to delay it to 2021 or not, so we'll have to wait and see on that one still. But um, but that's it. That's all because I, I I I literally watched all of those on the weekend too, and I like watched Used Cars. Um, one morning, like I I watched it, like I started watching it, and then I finished it like the next morning or something like that, because I've been I've been doing that more because I'm not like. I've kind of been slowed down on writing reviews because I'm just like building lessons and stuff for uh, the online classes is time intensive. Like my, my, the rest of my weekend, I'm going to be working probably like, and I even have a, a slower week next week because we have testing. So like, I don't even have a full week worth of classes and I still have stuff I got to do, you know? Um, so I, I've not been writing as much. Um, I'm going to try if I, if I go see something at the theater, I'm going to try to write a review for those things. But I I'm like, I'm doing two podcasts a week. That's going to have to be enough for now for Burke reviews. And if I can fit a review in, I will, but I'm also not forcing, I wrote a lot of reviews in August because of the, the uh, Fantasia film festival. And now it's just like, I just don't have the time. So I'm fitting movies in uh, more casually. Like I'm not watching them. Like I would normally want to watch a movie, like all three of the Zemeckis films I had on while I was doing stuff but I was really like engaged with them and like they kept pulling me in and, and I was watching them more than not, but I don't feel comfortable like writing a review because I definitely didn't give it a hundred percent of my attention. Mm. Um, but with that, I think it's time we take a quick break and when we come back, we will uh, give our review of mean streets. And we're back. So let's get the stats on Mean Streets before we get into uh, the thoughts on the film. And this is Martin Scorsese's uh, first feature-length film, if I am not mistaken. I really hope I'm not. I've double-checked myself multiple times, but I always get paranoid. Because um, he's got several shorts beforehand. Um, but Mean Streets is from 1973. has a 96 meta score. Um, a IMDb user score is not... There it is, 7.3, so very highly rated. Um you get obviously Scorsese uh, directed, written, uh, co-writes with Mardik Martin, and it says one more credit, which is probably for a book or something. I'm going to click some curious now. Yeah, uh, well, no, I'm sorry. It's it's Martin and Mardik Martin, and then Scorsese has a story credit, which means he uh, obviously adjusted without the the screenplay. Wow, I am woo words. Um, this movie has quite the cast with Robert De Niro as Johnny Boy, Harvey Keitel as Charlie, uh, David Provol as Tony, uh, Richard Romanus as Michael, who's an important figure in that, um, Amy Robinson as Teresa, who I'm not familiar with, but she looked familiar at the same time. She's in some other Scorsese stuff I've not seen. Um, oh, no, she's a producer, too. Wow, she's got a lot of producing credits. Um, oh, no, she doesn't really act after this. This is her big thing. She has a couple of TV series, but um, so you want to go first and say your thoughts on uh, Mean Streets. Mm, I mean, sure. Ninety-six um, Metascore, Corey. Ninety-six. <laughs> Ninety-six. Well, I think that. Um, I mean, I don't know. I enjoyed it. I really liked. Um, I feel like he 
does a really good job with giving us characters that aren't necessarily likable or even people I would want to know, but I still just find them captivating to watch. It's not like a dumpster fire, you know what I mean? No. I don't really know how to explain that. Um, like, these characters, they can be detestable, but you still want to watch them there, you know, very attention-getting. Um I liked though that there that char that he had like this counterpart of in Charlie though, um, yeah. I mean, he does really cool stuff with the camera. You know, I I don't always yeah. notice that stuff, but I there were a few scenes that were really cool and really I do like when directors do that stuff and you can feel what the characters are feeling, or like I'll get kind of nauseous or like I'll feel like oh motion sick or something. Um, yeah, I like seeing where this all takes place, and I, I was really, um, I don't know, I like the soundtrack a lot, too. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Um, it was the first time I've really noticed a soundtrack in his movies, I guess. That's interesting. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm really good at missing that with like to me. I I end up taking a movie in holistically, and uh, often if I am aware of the score or the soundtrack, it's usually um, not a good thing. Or again, sometimes the the filmmaker wants you to be aware of the music, and then it's like it's intentional, great. But sometimes it's like if it jars me out of the fact that I'm watching a movie, it, it bugs me more often than it doesn't. Um, not always, but again, sometimes uh, there are examples of people who like love the score of I Will Always Go to uh, It Follows because it's a beloved score by so many. And I was like, so it took good. me out of the movie. It's so, it's so loud. Um, it was just it's like, unnerving. Bah! Yeah, I guess. But uh, I don't know. For me, it was just like, whatever. I was so against that movie. I think when I went into it, I was just like. Why? Whoa. I know you just were like, nope. <laughs> I just, I think it's such an obvious allegory, like, and, and I, they don't follow their own rules. I will always nitpick that because it's like, it comes right at you. And it's like, why is he on the roof then? Like, there was no coming right at her. She wasn't on the roof. And, and then like, he gets her and he doesn't do anything. He just tugs her hair. Ugh, stupid movie. Like, so Mean Streets. Um, I, I love Harvey Keitel. I don't think I've seen him in enough stuff. Like, he, you know, he does a couple of the Tarantino things, but he's so good in Reservoir Dogs. And then uh, he has the small part as the cleaner in Pulp Fiction, which is fantastic. Um, but uh, this movie, like, I, I was really connected to his character. I thought, um, not that I, like, oh, I'm like him. But, like, I'm just like, he is trying to both be a good person and this other guy. Like, he is so at odds with himself, right? Like, he knows what he should do and that he won't do it because he wants to be a good friend to Johnny. But, like, Johnny doesn't earn the friendship, like, ever. John is awful. Like, feel like he has no concern for his own well-being. No. <laughs> like, he, he is he is a like a, a a lit fuse, right? Like he's just waiting to explode. And uh, I feel like he played that character so well. I mean, he plays oh, yeah. those characters very well um, because he's the kind of person that if I had the unfortunate whatever to be around i would just probably be stressed out out of my mind he's he's so um 
honestly, what's interesting is that, like, to me, Harvey Keitel in this movie, the the character actually of Charlie is more the type of role that we see De Niro play later, like the kind of more cool, calm, collected guy, and not the the manic, like, gonna get everybody in trouble guy. Um, and I thought that was really interesting because De Niro really takes the Keitel role in the future Scorsese stuff. Like even, I mean, Raging Bull, he's, he's more of a hothead, but he's still like, he's still more controlled than, um, Johnny, right? Johnny's like super manic. Like you don't know what you're going to get out of Johnny. And he's, he's, he's friendly, right? Like he's like, and then when it's time to like get serious, he's scary. Like he's super scary. Um, and then you see like Taxi Driver, he's very torn and, and, and conflicted. And again, that just speaks volumes to De Niro's ability. But I, for a long time, have associated De Niro more with the kind of calm guy. He's going to say like the scary thing and he's going to be very serious, like in Goodfellas and in The Irishman. Um, even in like the Meet the Parents trilogy, which is I don't I'm not a fan of, but he's like he's that calm, scary like he's he's so composed at moments where other people would be losing their mind that you're just like, oh, you know, like, what's he going to do? And so seeing him in this role was really fun. And he's having, it looks like he's having a blast. He's ruining everybody else's life, but he's like, he's having a good time. <laughs> um, I mean, we guess. <laughs> well, I mean, we're kind of told because he's like, he's gambling. He's like, oh, I'm having a great time. And then he's just like, he- he's constantly avoiding people because he's doing the wrong things over and over and over again. Um, and then there is the kind of the weird relationship with Teresa, like, um, that like Charlie's hiding for some reason that I didn't fully grasp exactly why he was hiding it. Like, uh, it sounds like it's partly of his image. Like he can't settle down kind of thing, but, um, but I found it really compelling and, uh, overall, like, I mean, it's, it's not real plot heavy. Like it's more about like a character study about who these guys are and like the plots more overarching of him trying to like, become a, a made man kind of thing and it it not working out very well in the in the general sense right because even like i'm looking at the wikipedia and the plot's like five very short paragraphs like it's it's summed up pretty quickly because there's not it's not really about that it's all these really cool scenes and like you said there's some really great cinematography i think there's some really strong performances both from Kaitel and de niro are just super on on the money um yeah it's uh, i mean I, I have no complaints. Um, it's 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 stressful, I guess. Like I I don't feel like it's the most stressed I've ever been watching a movie like this. But the characters are definitely like, just like oh why are you, why are you doing that? Stop stop Johnny! Like stop being that guy. But it's that guy. It's like you're also like yeah, but he's not gonna stop. I totally know he's not gonna stop. Um, but yeah. Uh, you have anything else before we get to spoilers? No. All right, let's move into spoilers, Corey. Guys, from here on out, we are going to talk about Mean Streets in great detail. You have been warned. So, all right. So, there's a couple of scenes that I full I didn't like fully grasp when they happened. Uh, when the guy kills the guy at the bar, um, when he goes into the bathroom and he's super drunk, I didn't know who the guy was. I'm like, am I supposed to know who this guy is who's getting shot in the back? And and it was scary though because he gets shot five times or so in the back, and he goes after the guy, and then he gets shot in the like the side, like but in the front, like, like towards it's more like it's away from the heart, so he's just like hit or whatever. But he keeps going after the guy; it's like insane. Yeah, that was pretty wild. Um, 
but I kind of loved it. it oh, when it yeah. Was yeah. When it was happening, I was like, this, you know, what's the likelihood of this, like, happening in real life? But, I mean, I really don't know. But um, I thought that it was a pretty cool scene, and it was unexpected. Yes. For sure, because even like he takes his hair down when he before he kills him, and I wasn't sure what the reason for that was. It was a guy, right? Like that shoots him. Yeah, that's what I thought. Well, I mean, that comes back at the end. Yes, yes, he that is the guy who shoots uh, Johnny is the guy who shot the guy at the bar, right? That's the what everyone I, in the car. Yeah. yeah, and didn't they like explain that during the movie too that sometimes these kids come in and do stuff like that so that they can get on good terms with like the crime bosses and then be hired on and stuff? Yeah. Which I'm sorry, I'm like reading like details. Um just cuz I'm like wait it was like the way he shoots that ending is intense too. It's so crazy. Yeah, like how do you even do that in a moving car? Um both cars moving though and obviously the guy at the bar had to tell them where where they were going or whatever charlie and johnny boy had gone because they were in his car and how else would they you know that yeah um you just see him like he like he just has no concerns johnny boy like he Obviously, he keeps borrowing money from different people around town. He owes two thousand dollars in the and I guess seventy three. I would love to know how much money that is now. Um, and he just like spends money, like you know, knowing that he has all these debts. And I feel like everyone is very gracious with him, and he just oh, yeah. takes and takes and takes and takes. And the whole time, I'm like, Charlie, what are you doing? Like at some point, someone, you know what I mean, like. Yeah, big we watched time. enough Sopranos, that, you know. At some point, somebody's gonna come and get him, and you've been in the way for too long, man. Um, but I liked um Charlie's character a lot. Um, like, and also seeing his relationship with his uncle and how like his uncle is on. I feel like his uncle's like a different. Oh, such a different level. As like he's he's so composed. The the scenes at dinner, he's so composed, and he never like to me that type of like gangster because that's he's he's a like a head. He's a threatening guy. You can tell like people are afraid of him, but he doesn't come off as menacing. He comes off as like like when the 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 guy who owns the restaurant comes to like apologize to him, he's like no no, you know he's just like he doesn't even seem like he's being disingenuous. He's like stop stop you don't need to say anything like we'll talk later well even like i yeah keeping the business separate um and private um too but like even when charlie's talking to him about that and he's saying that he thinks that the guy at the restaurant is lying and blah 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 he's like well i believe that his restaurant is not doing well like just seeing that difference and i know that it's not the case but it kind of like made me feel like oh that's old business and then this other guy what's his name the guy who keeps trying to get the money from john johnny boy is it tony um michael's the one trying to get the money from johnny boy. michael okay tony, um, tony runs the bar like this old school and 
like or like old business new business i don't know like i could see michael going around and shooting somebody up but not really the uncle i feel like which maybe he does i know that's I don't know how to explain what I'm saying. Never mind. Well, like, I like seeing one of the reasons, because you've talked about, like, why do I get into these, like, studies of film people? Like, you know, right now we're watching all Scorsese movies. You're not always a fan of that. No. Um, I feel like you might be with this one, though. Because this is three, like, I know we, we weren't both, like, hot on Age of Innocence, but there was, like, no real negative. Well, because I feel like all of his movies are different enough. I feel like... Mm with some directors it's just more of the same sometimes it's like and i mean like he has a lot of the you know he we keep seeing these characters that are not very likable and they're our main characters or they're one of the main characters and so they take a lot of our attention and a lot of the screen time but like they're all just so different and all the stories are so different like the time period like we've had different time periods i don't know i just think that he mixes it up enough well, I mean, okay, uh, there you're not wrong about what you, both things you just said. One, that's one of the reasons why I love setting directors because I, I want to hear what they think, and I also want to hear them grow, which I think you see with Scorsese a lot, um, especially because let's look at two of the, his movies uh, real quick. This movie, our main character, um, we see him go to church multiple times. And his voiceover, we hear a lot of his thoughts about religion, and he's struggling with, like, the life he's living and the life he feels like he's supposed to be living because of his religious beliefs. Right? Yeah, I feel like, I mean, I f we hear a lot about Catholic guilt. Yes. And what a religion to be a part of and also try to be a gangster. Right. But... That I think this is an important detail because Scorsese throughout his career has worked around his religious beliefs and the struggle he has with them. And that's where silence finally happens um, with uh, Andrew Garfield and um, Adam Driver and Liam Neeson, um, where it was a movie he'd been trying to get made, but no one wanted to make it because they didn't think it would be a big commercial. It's not commercial. It's amazing. It's a brilliant film. It's very, very tough to watch, but it, it is mm -hmm. about that exact thing. It's a, like, you know the guilt the uh the faith the devout faith no matter what in the face of adversity giving up everything and you see those like patterns throughout his films and of course um this character has a voiceover goodfellas is one of the most like iconic uses of ray Liotta's voiceover throughout the he's telling the story you get um voiceover in age of innocence if i'm not mistaken but i don't remember we don't know who the voice is right that was one right. of the things it's just it's just a woman narrating uh, maybe the author, I think, is what that we read last time. And then um, I can't remember for sure. I've only seen Taxi Driver once. And I don't think there's Same. voiceover in that. But um, but it's a it's a technique he uses from time to time. He does use the, the POV shots uh, to like hit certain moments. He doesn't do them all the time. He has really good tracking shots when he wants to like do wonders and stuff. They're they're always really solid, steady cam shots. Um, and he does some handheld stuff to make things feel gritty and like you're in the moment with those characters and some of the action and intensity. Yeah. Um, and you know, those, uh, stylistically he is, do you see that pattern emerge now? Um, he likes to dabble. And, and again, another thing that I think is important to note is that we, we talked about with both Raging Bull, um, Goodfellas, the Casino, the Irishman, they're all based on either biographies of people like their their own books, autobiographies or biographies, 
and or they're based on books like Age of Innocence. Like he likes to pull from other source material um, and adapt it, which I, I'm not criticizing uh, at all. I think that's one of the things I don't feel like we appreciate enough uh, adaptations because I think so often you hear about like book to movie when the book was really big, right? Like Hunger Games getting adapted. It's like, oh, Hunger Games did so well. And now there's a movie, Harry Potter. Oh, but he's pulling books that maybe you haven't heard of or did really well at the time, but aren't like this, you know, iconic story that people are attached to. And he makes it an iconic story. He brings it into a light that maybe wasn't there before. Um, which, which a lot of movies are like that. Not just Scorsese. I think we just don't, we don't always know that a movie was a book because mm-hmm. it wasn't a big book beforehand. Fair. I or love books. And I um, have no problems with reading a book after I've watched the movie. Like, I have Raging Bull on my to-read list. Um, It's kind of a hard book to get a hold of, though. Um, Yeah. It might be a little pricey, guys, if you go looking for it. But look on the used book sites. You might have some luck. Um, So I, I like when I learn about a book from a movie. Yeah. Because my, I don't know, my to read list is always growing but um yeah yeah and i'm just like i i'm making an argument that um the thing that you are claiming is not wrong but it's also the thing that i love and it just so happens scorsese is very diverse um i do like patterns like i love wes anderson style in his movies and i am content with those and i i love the coen brothers and i think you can make a very strong argument that some of their movies feel very similar um especially tonally, but that's one of the reasons I like their movies because I like their tone. But then again, you have a movie like Inside Lou and Davis that is different, right? Like I, dark, that's my favorite of their movies. Like it is my favorite as well. Um, I, I, but I, yeah, it's, I think that speaks to us on, on multiple levels. Um, it's not just their style. It's also like about a musician and it's Oscar Isaac in just the oh, perfect so movie great. for him. And then I the tone and the, the freaking humor. Uh, it's like, like, yes. The, <laughs> I love like that awkward feeling that you're laughing and they want you to laugh. Like we talk about mm-hmm. this sometimes you're like, Oh, it's for humor, but still you feel a little bit bad about it. Like, yeah, I don't know. I uh, kind of like that awkwardness. I, I love that movie so, so much. Um, and there's, there's so many layers to that movie too, like to really dissect it. And that's, I, I, I'm a huge Cohen fan. I'm actually, I just taught uh, hail Caesar to my first year students mm. and, it's been really cool seeing their reactions. Most of them have no familiarity with the studio system. So I'm introducing them to that at the same time, using that movie as like a way of, this is what it used to be like in Hollywood. Um, you know, pe- people were under contract and they had to follow the studio's rules and guidelines. And, um, but then, uh, for my Western unit, we're, we're, gonna, they just, they're watching Shane, which I'm a big fan of, but we're going to be uh, following it up with no country for old men, which is a Neo Western. Um, and so, me too uh and so yeah i mean i i i don't we don't mean to go into cohen's right now but i am i am a scorsese fan there's a lot more movies of his that i have not seen i didn't realize how extensive his filmography is and he he their movies get more and more diverse i think like you said when you compare it to like the cohen's their films are are very you know similar at times um i think scorsese's are as well but they're not always as obvious that they're connected. Like, remember when we were talking about age of innocence, and I read Ebert's review and he pointed out the similarities that I had completely overlooked. And it's a lot of times because it's not the source material that is, or it's not like the, 
the topic is the thing that he's talking about. It's the theme behind the topic that this idea of like family and trying to fit in and, and um, think of like Teresa's ostracized because she has epilepsy here. Dude, right? Like they're like, uh, sometimes I have a hard time with things in movies. Like it's so dated. Like they call her sick in mm-hmm. the head because she has epilepsy. Like, but it's it, at the time, like even if you made yeah. the movie now, if you made the movie today and you said it at that time period, that would be what you would have to do because that was the attitude about epilepsy. Yeah. It's just sometimes like, I forget what movie we watched recently and they were like, you know, using that gay slur that I hate so much, yeah. like all over the well, place. And I'm just like, oh, I know it's of the time. I know that, but I still hate it. <laughs> Like, well, that's that's one of the criticisms about Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure is that they they hug and call themselves you know they not call themselves but they're like they get upset that they've hugged because it's eighty eight and you're not allowed to hug a guy because you were gay and that was not okay in eighty eight um you would get beat up or whatever so like they they hug and like oh f you know I don't want to say the word but you know the the word I'm assuming you were just referring to yeah um. And that's it stinks because it is it it's a, a scar on that film that's otherwise so optimistic and upbeat, and then there's just that one moment um, where homophobia is present because it was a thing at that time. And um, uh, this here again, I'm not excusing, it. and I don't. I feel like Scorsese's not uh, like acting like it's okay either. And that's one of the things I I often feel with him is I don't ever feel like he is judging the characters. Like we, we see them saying that and we're like, Oh, that's wrong. And I think that comes across that he's like, is it, it's wrong. Right. Like they shouldn't have treated her like that because she seems like a great person otherwise. But, um, and he clearly seems to love her, but he's afraid of loving her because of that, that ostracization. But then the reason I brought it up was if you look at age of innocence and Michelle Pfeiffer's character is ostracized because her, she's wants a divorce at a time when you wouldn't get a divorce. So while the reasoning is different, it's that same dynamic that's being explored. It was like trying to be accepted by this bigger group, the social group, and yet somehow just being on the outside. And he has to tell the woman he loves, he can't be with her because of that ostracization. I don't know if that's even a word because she's ostracized. He can't be with the woman he loves because of that. So that same theme is happening in both of these movies that are completely different on the surface but when you look at what they're tackling and how they're dealing with it, and again, it's the same director, he's that must be something he struggles with, you know, like wanting to be f- accepted by the bigger group, but also being afraid of that, like that social pressure that comes with that, you know. Mm-hmm. And he explores that in a lot of movies, and uh, again, that's that's the thing, and I think maybe what makes him stand out above some of the other directors, though, in some people's eyes, is because he's able to explore it in such a diverse landscape and each film looks so different each film feels slightly different but yet he's still working through these things as if he's exploring it through um time like were these things always an issue and yeah it seems like yes they were always an issue i mean again the silence if you look the social pressure he wants to be a devout priest but the place he's at is pressuring him to to you have to denounce your faith that's like the ultimate moment at the end of that movie is him having to decide to either continue to believe or renounce it shattering everything he's been fighting for but the pressure is so strong you know um and it's a little more than social pressure i guess at that point it's like political pressure but still it's that same idea of of being true to who you are despite the the people around you and that's uh, that's what i love like it's so it's so interesting to see a person exploring their beliefs 
through cinema, you know? Because mm-hmm. um, it's, it's like you're having a conversation with the person without hearing their exact thoughts, but they're like, let me show you instead, you know? Because um, think of how many times where it's hard to put to words, but you're like, man, if I could just show you. And that's what the filmmakers like Scorsese get to do is they show us their thoughts. And if we're willing to have that conversation, we can learn a whole lot about them, but also about ourselves. Because if these are topics that affect us as well. So, you know, you find filmmakers who speak your language and you stick with it. Well, uh, Mean Streets, I, I'm going to say, um, I think I'm going to say it's a must-see film. I, I don't know that it's in my normal, in the sense, like, I don't know that this will be one I revisit all the time. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I, I'm, I mean, it's course I, it's Scorsese, guys. I don't know if you know this, but he's a really good filmmaker. Like, you know, no hot idea. take. Hashtag <laughs> hot take. Um, but seriously, uh, if you haven't seen it like us, I say watch it. Corey, what do you think? I'm going to say the same. And I appreciate your, uh, you know, that talk there. Because I, I think that he is presenting those themes in different ways. So it still is interesting to me. And I don't feel like I'm watching the same thing over and over again. But you say it so eloquently. Well, I went teacher mode, and I apologize. Um, no, don't. But, uh, you know, I have been teaching film all week, so it is, like, it's fun to do, uh, it's fun to t- like, talk about that, because I, I was really encouraged today. Um, this is, we'll end with this thought. I, I asked a room full of first-year film students, because um, there's a quote in Hail Caesar, where he says, um, you, you'll, I can't, I'm not going to pull it verbatim, but he basically says, if you're going to do what you're supposed to do because the picture has worth and you have worth if you work for the picture or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Eddie Mannix says that to George Clooney's character and Baird. And um, I asked him, I'm like, what do you, you know, that was one of their questions on their, their slides was like, what do you think this means? And um, uh, a few, you know, said that, like, well, I think it means this, I think it means that. And they were kind of like missing the essence of the question it was more about like there he's saying that movies matter and if movies matter then this has meaning and so then i i re i re-say the question was just like do you think movies are important um and i was i was reassured because not only did they say yes i, th- I think movies are important but they gave bigger reasons than just because they're entertaining like they they saw like they saw some of like economically like a lot of people work on a movie right like we always think of the actors and directors and it's like oh it's hard to be those people but movie studios employ a lot of people and they could pay them better for sure they could have better benefits for some of the pas and stuff but nonetheless millions of people get paid for working on a movie so in economic sense they're important and And part of what's happening right now is there's no productions going on in most places but what were you about to say oh it trickles down like Mm -hmm. because movie theaters and i mean even like all of the companies that make the concessions and stuff get all of that business from the movies but then the the opportunity that movies give us because um we forget sometimes but like i've never left the country before but i've seen the world I mean, I'd love to actually see it, but I've seen, I've seen places and and exotic locations. I've seen perspectives that I otherwise could never have, right? Like I've seen what it is to be a crime boss. I've seen what it is to be a black man. I've seen what it is to be a gay black man growing up in Miami, you know, because of movies, something that I would never be privy to. 
if movies didn't exist. And so them, them making that connection and seeing the value of art and that it's more than just entertainment, that it can give insight into not only who someone else is, but also to who we are and how we feel. It was reassuring um, that my job is, is more than just putting pictures on the, on the wall for them to stare at for an hour, you know, like they're getting it and they're getting it so quick. Um, and again, some of them are coming in with that. They already are. Uh, of all of my, my last few years, I, I've only had a couple of people who were like, movies are the career path I want to go. But I think I have like five freshmen who are all like gung ho about be, being filmmakers. And it's so exciting for me to, to have that. I, I love any of my students, whether they want to be in film or not, because I can introduce them to a career through film, just like I said, with traveling the world, you can find a job you didn't know existed because of a movie or something like that. You can find your passion. You didn't know you were into skateboarding until you saw Lords of Dogtown or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like you can find who you are through film. And so I'm content with just that. But the fact that I have like five kids who are like actively wanting to do this as a career and, and are showing me that like the, the movies that they're bringing up and that they've, they are, they're doing what I did. They're diving into films that they otherwise most people would either avoid or not even know existed, you know, because it's like, Oh, it's old. I don't watch old movies or I don't like musicals or I hate Westerns or whatever. It's, they're like actively seeking them out. So it's, it's always exciting for me that especially in a world where TV is becoming so, so, uh, equal and, and so consumable. It has dropped in big, you know, buffet style troughs for us to just binge on for the weekend. Um, I feel a little attacked. Sorry, but I mean, I, I assume also I, not don't like musicals. I assume that you will be uh, watching Ratchet before the end of the weekend. Um, eh. I mean, you what? Are you not interested in that movie? How? Um, I mean, I probably will, show. but I'm not like show. yeah, it's a show. Um, but I'm not like you know, dying to see it. Man, Sarah Paulson though, she's so great. She um, is. And and I, I forget, I feel like the showrunner is somebody good, too. And, of course, I am a fan of uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, so I am very curious to see this prequel series of Nurse Ratchet. But I don't know if I'll jump into it or not uh, yet, but it's on the list of many, many ever-growing lists. But that's it, folks. We are done. Um, you can, uh, if you like what we're doing, you can follow us on social media. I'm at Burke Reviews. Corey? At Corey, our star, two R's on the end. And uh, we will be back next week with our last Martin Scorsese movie for the year, at least, I think, um, unless he shows up in some other list. But uh, we'll be watching Cape Fear from 1991, 93. It's one of those. It's it's early in the 90s. Uh, it's one of his only remakes um, that he remade someone else's film. Uh, does have De Niro in it, which is the only movie that we watched this month that doesn't have De Niro is Age of Innocence, which I can't believe he didn't squeeze him in there somewhere. Um I wonder what happened. Maybe at Cape Fear it didn't do well enough or he was creeped out by him in Cape Fear or something like that. But they would do some other movies uh, after that. But for some reason, he's not in Age of Innocence. Um, but we'll be back with our review for that next week. Until next time, keep watching movies. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com like a moment from a horror movie. You have been hanging out in the wrong clubs, Mr. Wayne. I've seen this movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Join the club. We've got jackets. And you stole it from a movie. We want you in our club, kid. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club.
I'm John Burke, and I'm moving a little slow because it's been a long week. And with me, as always, is Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And we'll call her Scorsese because it's Martin Scorsese month. And we are three, this is episode three, three movies into the month. Um, this time around, we're going to be reviewing his film, uh, his first feature film, Mean Streets, from 1973. And uh, it's finally a big check on my list. I've been meaning to get to this one for a while. Um, Corey had not saw- seen this one either. So we'll be talking about it in- at length here in a little bit. But before we do that, we like to catch up and see how things are going. And it's it's not great because we are recording this just a couple of hours after Ruth Bader Ginsburg's death was announced. And so we're all a little sad and a little worried, but we're not going to dwell too much. But is there anything uh, you want to add, Corey, before we move on to our like personal reasons for being slow and, and sad and such? Um, I did just want to let everyone know uh, if they've been interested in watching that really great documentary that we're both fans of, um, RBG. It is streaming on Hulu. I actually got to see it in our small like art house theater a couple years ago. Um, with a friend, and I definitely suggest it, and it sounded like you definitely would too. Yes, 100%. Um, I watched it on, I think I watched it on Hulu, actually, not too long ago, and it is, it's very good. Um, I learned a lot about her. If you are, um, if you're not one to, like, study politics or, or uh, history even, uh, and I'm not saying that judgmentally, I am usually not one to do those things, so this documentary is a really great way to kind of know who she was and why so many people are sad about her passing. Uh, there's other reasons, but that just the fact that we've lost a hugely influential and amazing person is always going to be sad, even when she's fought so hard and lived a very long life. Uh, I think she was 83, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and while we would always like to have a little more time, 83 is is definitely a great life. Uh, and again, she did so much in that life, too. So it, it is the documentary is pretty outstanding and definitely worth your time to watch, um, especially if you have, already have Hulu. But other than that, Corey, ha- have you had a decent week? No, Bill and I had oh. time off together <laughs> for our anniversary, number That's, 19. So that should have been good then, right? But, <laughs> I mean, like, we wanted to go to a couple different places around here. Bill's, like, really into geology. Nerd. Hmm. <laughs> but um, we wanted to go hiking at a couple places or go kayaking at my favorite place in Idaho. And it... I'm sure everyone has heard about all the fires in California and Mm -hmm. Oregon and Washington. And I live in Idaho. We're right by there. Our air quality has been awful, which who am I to complain? We still have our home. We're still safe. Um, But I just, we didn't feel like it was a good idea to be outside because air quality was so bad. So we stayed at home. I mean, I guess more quarantining. Yeah. I mean, you know, quarantation when you're in vacation and quarantine. <laughs> I um, guess at least I didn't have to work. Well, you know, that's I listen to a lot of podcasts that are from various areas across uh, the world really and one thing that um it always shocks me because Florida we've been reopened since like June, right? And so like every there's so many other places that are still like on full lockdown and so like people would be like, "Oh, but you can't do that." I'm like, "Really?" And it's not like I'm not like I'm not doing a lot of those things, but I'm hearing like that you can't. And it's like, here it's like, I choose not to because I don't want to get COVID. And uh, so it's always like kind of mind boggling to me. Like other people are still on quarantine when I was, I was on quarantine for the last 24 days because my wife got COVID 
And then I had the incubation period. I thought I had a scare where I thought I had COVID because I had a very bad, well, very bad as strong. I had a mild fever. Like I was like 101 on Monday, which immediately though my brain said, oh, it's COVID because Kathy had COVID. It's, it's still within the 14 day window. It must be COVID. And so I tell my work and, uh, you know, they're like, okay, well, you, you, you know, you're going to have to be on more quarantine. So I'm like, great. I've already missed the first like 20 something days of school with, and because of so many people were on quarantine, I've only missed an actual week with students on campus. Oh, um, because we delayed the start for them. Like we've had online school when it was supposed to start, but we delayed them being there. But still, I missed a whole week with my students. Again, I was teaching the whole time uh, online. So even the kids in my classroom, they're like, there's a sub there, but they're like talking to me on the computer kind of thing. Um, weird. It, it is very weird. And uh, talking is a strong statement. Most of them are, are mics off. And uh, to be honest, there's sometimes I don't know for sure if they're actually there or not. Like it says they're there, but they may not be. Um, they're doing their work, the ones that are online. So, I mean, eventually they're doing their work. So I have to believe that they're there, but it, it definitely feels like, cause I get some questions where I'm like, you weren't listening. Were you, you were, I can tell. Cause that question was, I literally just answered that, but you know, that happens in the classroom too. So I, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's the same thing. Kids are going to find ways to not do what they're supposed to do if they don't want to do it. Cause you can't make people do things if they don't want to, they'll give you the illusion that they're doing things. You know, like I was a kid in the back of the room. If I didn't like my class, I was sleeping with my, like on my hand, you know, I try to look like I was reading, but I was asleep. And, you know, so like, I know, I know kids are going to find ways, but, and we try not to let them find ways, but I know it's going to happen no matter what the situation is, right? Like people are like, oh, they text in class. I'm like, yeah, they passed notes 10 years ago. What are you talking about? They always do that. Like that's, it's just, a, it's easier, but it's always been, you know, like that's just like, I feel like, media, man. <laughs> right. I feel like sometimes we try to act like we were not like that, but it's like, we were like that. We were, we were awful just like they are awful sometimes. So, you know. The, most of the time it's not awful, but it, you know what I'm saying? Like we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing all of the time because we're people and people make stupid choices. Like that's just what happens. But I went on a real tangent, but I'm about to go back to work. Finally. I, I do not have COVID. I, I, uh, in fact, I'm not even sick anymore. I, I the, my health regiment and I'm going to uh, attribute also like eating a crap ton of zinc and vitamin C over the, the few days that I was uh, feeling sick. Um, I knocked it out in two days, basically. So if it was COVID, I crushed it. And if it wasn't COVID, which it probably wasn't, it was probably the flu. Um, I was able to get over it really quickly. And again, it wasn't really ever bad. It was, I had a, a mild fever. It made me feel real fatigued and sluggish. Um, Taylor actually had it worse. Uh, she had like body aches. I didn't have that. I had a mild headache. Like it wasn't, it, it was never like, I get migraines sometimes and th those are debilitating. This was like, yeah, yeah. I'm, I can't think quite as clear as I normally do, but I'm all right. You know, like I could, I could sleep a little longer, but I'm okay. Um, and uh, yeah, but so, so far, and again, the test said it was negative. I was in severe disbelief that the test was negative. Like I argued with the nurse. I'm like, are you sure? And I don't usually do that, but I was just like, this, this can't be right. They're like, how could it have been in my house? And I don't know if I told you this, Corey, but before Kathy was diagnosed, like literally like two days before she got tested and found out it was COVID, I'm asleep. She's asleep. I awake because she coughed on my face <laughs> in her sleep. Oh, no. And so then two days later, she gets it. I'm like, well, I have it because you woke me up with coughing on me. <laughs> like, So there's no way. And again, uh, apparently not. So, uh, you know. It's and again, I'm not exhibiting any symptoms. I haven't had a fever in two days, so I, I've met all the criteria. So with the negative result and then the fact that I no longer have any symptoms, um, I am clear. But I still like, I'm just like, 
mm, these tests make me nervous, man. What? Because it, it could be that Kathy's test was a false positive, you know, and she never had COVID. She just had the flu. Or mine could be false negative and I do have it, but it's not, you know, the symptoms are gone already. Like I, it's all, all of it scares me. And so the uncertainty of this virus is very, very stressful. Um, but yeah, and I did, I had a coworker who was in the hospital. Um, I won't obviously say names or anything, but, uh, it was looking, it was scary. Um, he sent a video, uh, to our school. Like he, he made a video, uh, like just begging our students, like, please look, this is serious. Wear your mask. Don't, don't mess around kind of thing. And this is a guy I've known for, I've worked with for 10 years and he's super strong. He's, he's easy to, to be intimidated by, but he's also one of the kindest people I've ever met in my life. Right. Like, um, just such a, such a inspiration to work with this guy for 10 years. And then to see him barely able to speak for 20 seconds because of how hard he was hit by COVID was scary like i don't know if i've been that scared of this virus until that moment like i was and i've taken it serious from day one maybe day two i was a little behind but i've been serious about it pretty much since they started like talking about it, it really since tom hanks announced that he had it then it got real serious for me yeah because and, if anything happens to tom hanks right so <laughs> um to, but seeing a person who i've like i know you know, like I, and just not being able to be himself and you could hear it in the voice. Um, and I think that shook all of us, but he is, he's out of the hospital. That's why I said all this the good news is he's out of the hospital. So it looks like he's on the road to recovery, um, which is awesome. Cause it was, it was scary there for a minute, but, um, but yeah, other, you know, I'm excited to go. I'm, I'm nervous to go back, obviously like being in a room with a bunch of people, but from, you know, my interactions with them online and stuff, it, it, I, I miss being in the classroom. Obviously, I, I wish it was the way it was before COVID, um, because that's what I love about teaching is, is getting to interact with my students, getting to know them, getting to introduce them to films and stuff. It, it is, it's the same online, but it's not. It's definitely, especially with the students who are my first year students. Oh, the, yeah. Build, building the connections a lot harder with the, the screen between us. And my, my older students, it, it's, you know, we, we already have a connection, so it's, it's easier. It's still, there's still like that the ones who I've had for four years, there's like no, nothing's changed. We're just remotely speaking, but the ones who are like two years in, there's a little bit of weirdness. Three years in, we're good. Um, although to be fair, three years in is also my kid's class. So like, she's literally in the other room in the classroom with, you know, like talking in the, the virtual chat. So it's kind of weird, but cause we could just sit together, but that would be weird too. You know, like teacher's pet. Um, so, but it's, uh, I'm, I'm excited about going back and nervous at the same time. Um, although, we have now because all of last year's testing was canceled because of COVID. Oh. They're now trying to make up all that testing. So like next week's not even a normal schedule for us, and it's gonna be, eh, it's something like it's 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 weird because I'm gonna be like two days normal, and then it's like three days of testing, and then I think the following week's supposed to be the same. So um, it's all it's all up in the air. It's all crazy, but you know, hey, we're trying. We're trying to make this world feel normal, and it's it's definitely not. But we're trying real hard. So. Down here in Florida, you know, we opened up early. Oh, uh, well, I mean, Idaho's not, like, completely closed up. It's kind of the same thing here. Bill and I are mostly just staying home or going to businesses that, you know, we feel like are taking precautions enough to make us, you know, feel safe enough to be there. Yeah. Well, um, let's get into what we've been watching since the last time we recorded. Uh, you want to go first or second? I'll go first. Um, it feels like a really long week. <laughs> um, so I watched 
alive. Um, I feel like that was on Shudder. Um, like the movie where they, the the plane crash and they like turn cannibals. No. Oh. Um, I knew I. I've totally like blanked out on this movie as soon as we started talking about it. Um, oh, I'm sorry. No, that's okay. That's my fault. Who forgets a movie that they watched less than a week ago? Um, I watched The Babysitter, Killer Queen. Oh. On Netflix. Um, well, I really. Oh, go ahead. Oh uh, no! I go ahead and say your part. I was just I I had not seen The Babysitter. Um, but Matt and I are covering the K- Killer Queen on Tuesday for BAMP, so uh, I watch both on Saturday. Oh. So I was, just, um, but uh, go ahead. What, what were your thoughts of Killer Queen? Okay, so I think that these movies are hilarious and so much fun. I really like Samara Weaving. Mm. There we go. I love her. I think she's great. Um, I. I just think that this movie's great. Uh, I was laughing so hard. Bill was like sitting watching it with me, and he was laughing too. I think the gore—it's it, just great. Um, yeah. Oh, oh wait. Go ahead. No, <laughs> I just realized we already recorded our. Ep- I'm so out of it. We already did that episode. <laughs> oh my gosh! Right, we, guys. <laughs> this is just the John and Corey that you get from. I was I like, when it stops. I was about to say, I was like, well, Matt said, and I was like, wait, how do I know what Matt thought? Oh my God. I already recorded. It's already posted. Like that episode came out Thursday. Um, you can listen to it now, uh, folks, if you'd like to. Oh my God. So I am clearly tired. And, uh, but I, we also liked it. Uh, Matt and I both kind of agreed. Like it's not an amazing movie, but it's a very fun movie. It's very, very watchable. Um, I, I do think the first one is better especially like story and dialogue but the second one is um for for a horror sequel i think that it is solid i mean i think that's fair i think that's a fair statement horror sequels traditionally go down in quality as they go uh it should be noted though that the the writer from the first film did not write on this one and they had three credited writers for the second movie which is usually Mm. not a good sign um and again a lot of the 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 jokes and stuff in the movie are rehashes of the stuff from the first film. I don't know how recently you watched the first one. Um, oh, no, I literally no. watched them like within a couple of hours of each other. So like they were very fresh for me. So like by comparison, first film, definitely stronger. Uh, the, but the second film is, it's definitely watchable. There's, there's like most of my complaints are minimal um, and, and basically nitpicky to be fair. Um, it is cheesy, and but it it knows it's cheesy, and it's it's not trying to be anything else. It's it's, it's definitely worth it up too, though. Right? Yeah. No. Exactly. Yeah. It, that's um, the director is Mick G. That's his whole name. I don't know if you knew that or not. Yeah, I saw that <laughs> at um, the end of the movie, and I was like, "What?" <laughs> well, he directed uh, the original two Charlie's Angels films, not the original series, but the you know Cameron Diaz, Drew Barrymore, and Lucy mm. Liu, the Charlie's Angels, which I loved when I was a kid. I don't know if they hold up at all. They probably don't. Um, Tom Green's Drew Barrymore's boyfriend, I think, and that was true in real life too, which is a weird oh. time we lived in at some point. Um, and he did a couple other movies that I think are all right, but it's just it doesn't, it's hard to take the name seriously. And also, I got to know Corey. Matt and I spent a little bit of time talking about it. What'd you think of the uh, corduroy suit? <laughs> Is this a serious question? I mean, yes. <laughs> um, that what's his name? Why am I forgetting the main character's name right now? It's not Josh. It's, it's Jonah. Jonah. Is it Jonah? Is that right? I f- I might be making that up. I don't know. We, our main character. 
Um, I didn't, I didn't mind it. I thought it was fine. Oh, his, I'm sorry. His, his the actor's name is Judah. His name is Cole. So we were Cole, way off. that's right. Okay. Um, I mean, I thought it was fine. All right. All right. Too many clothes it's... for me, but. I don't know. A corduroy suit to me just seems like way out of style for like almost anybody, but like. It totally feels like something a guy named McG would wear, in my opinion. So oh gosh. Well, I felt like it fit our character, like a little bit of an outsider. Yeah, okay, a lot of an outsider. Part, part of my complaint actually was that it took two years for them to finally decide he needs to go to a high school psychiatric ward, um, which I don't think is a thing. I don't know, to be fair. But uh, I was like, two years went by before you thought it was time to take action, apparently. So, all right. Which they did because it was actually two years between filming. Like, I get why. I just think they could have made... I think there's better plot contrivances. Like, he could have been coming out of being locked up for two years, and that's why everybody's okay. treating him weird. Like, that's a simple Fair. twist that makes more sense. And um, it doesn't make him go on the run, but it could have made him go on the run, you know, immediately. Because they could have been like, he got out because everything's good, and then he freaks out. He thinks he sees her or something like that, you know what I'm saying? And then, oh, you're going back. And then he's like, screw that, I'm running. And that, you know, like, there's still more sensible ways to make the plot work without it feeling so contrived and that's whatever but um what else is there anything else you've been watching because i totally stole that one from you i have a lot i'm gonna go back to alive sorry so it's a 2020 south korean zombie film oh wow yeah it's on shutter it just came out i want to say i think it came out last friday don't quote me on that but it it's pretty much just two characters. I mean, everyone else, you know. Oh, it's hash- it's hashtag alive. That's important. To oh know. yeah, sorry, hashtag alive. Um, so, um, I actually thought it was very good. Bill watched it with me, and um, he liked it as well. And we were talking about how um, they really captured like the characters' emotions in it, and it was very believable. Uh, you know, 2020. I'm just waiting for our zombie apocalypse. Um, well, I'm I'm down because I like zombie movies, and I'm sending it to Matt as we speak because Matt's a a big fan. Yeah, I like, like it a lot. Um, if you guys don't like it, I don't want to know. No I'm kidding. Um, and then I watched all of season two of Nosferatu because that just came out. I think on Friday on Shutter as well. Um, I watched the Disappointments Room, which was fine. It wasn't like I kind of liked the history behind it. Actually, um, I'm guessing that it's you know I still need to do some research because if are disappointment you, rooms are real, I think that that's really crazy. Go ahead. Um, just to go back to a live, are you a hundred percent sure you watched it on Shutter and not Netflix? Oh my god, you're right. Okay, yep. I'm sorry. tired. It's on Netflix. That's right because I think it's in the trending list. Yeah, it's because uh, Letterbox. Uh, well, I sent it to Big Tuna yeah. as well, and Big Tuna was like, "Isn't that Netflix?" I'm like, "No." No, and then it's I was Netflix. Like, Wait, it, it's totally Netflix. I don't know. I like. I feel like I go through like the streaming services. I get overwhelmed by them, especially Netflix. Can we talk about how much I? This is where I would insert the f word. Hate their autoplay feature like i really hate it it stresses me out like i'm just trying to read the synopsis i don't need you like autoplaying the movie as well yeah yes you mean when you hover over a movie yeah i 100 agree completely 
And also sometimes I can't tell if I click the movie, if it's going to let me add it to my list or if it's going to start playing the freaking movie. Yeah. Because it did that to me yesterday with something. Um, I can't remember what it is. There's something I do want to watch. And I was like, oh, great. That's out. I'm going to add it to my list. And then it just started playing. I'm like, no, I don't want to play right now. I wanted to add it to my list because I'm busy. You know, <laughs> like Yeah. For later. Okay. I'm glad it's not just me. And I can't believe that we're the only two people in the world that hate that feature. And I did try to find a way to shut it off, but I couldn't find anything in the options. I might go Google food later and see if I can find something. But I think that's the worst feature ever. And I find myself avoiding Netflix for it. But I did go for it to a live. Tell Big Tuna I said thank you for the correction. Um, and then I watched the first episode of season two of Pin 15 on Hulu. Just released today i think and so guys at least we have a lot of good movies and music and shows coming out this year if nothing else there and that's the thing we've lost some of the stuff we were really hyped about like the big blockbuster stuff but there is a bunch of really great oh content that's coming out um there's so many things i want to see on netflix right now that i haven't been able to get to including the uh, new charlie kaufman film the um oh yes which i can't think of the name of but i like it's got jesse buckley i'm Did thinking you... of ending it or something yes and uh the lead though is jesse buckley from the um we watch wildfire the, remember the 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 movie with the irish woman who wanted to be a singer and then she like wild rose to be a singer? wild rose sorry what did i call it wildfire that's the uh, yeah that's the that's oh my god my brain is clearly not functioning that's another movie i also have not seen if i want to watch but Yes, um, that's Wild Rose was uh, was Jesse Buckley though. That's who is the lead of the Charlie Kaufman. How did She's I not realize good. that? Because of the hair, it's her hair looks so different. And um, but when I put it together, I was like, oh my god, I, she's so great. I I'm all I about that movie. Already wanted fact, to watch it, but I know. And Tony Collette's in it. I mean, the cast is nuts, yes. anyways. But um, and then you and I have both mostly liked Kaufman stuff. Um, I don't remember your take on Synecdoche. I think it kind of bugged you more than liked, but. I think that it um, was too smart for me. It took two watches for me to feel comfortable with it. And I still like am not comfortable with it, but I, I, I appreciate that movie on such a deep level. And obviously Brendan, uh, our, our friend of the show, um, had encouraged us to watch it. And it's one of his favorites and rightfully so, but, uh, we watched being John Malkovich for the podcast, which we both really liked as weird as it is. I am a huge fan of eternal sunshine and spotless mind, which he didn't direct, but he wrote. Um, and I still have not watched adaptation, which is like, I need to watch that. ASAP. Is it because Nick Cage is in it that it's like throwing what? you off? <laughs> no, I just haven't made I haven't made the effort to get to it. Um, I like old Nick. Like that's younger, like still a really good actor. hasn't quite given up on everything. Type Nick Cage, you know. You know he has a new movie uh, on Shutter. That's a Shutter exclusive, I think. Um, so there's that. I mean, uh, there are some people who have argued he's on a resurgence. Um, remember, like Mandy did really well last year, but I didn't. Everybody like loves it. I haven't watched it. Matt and I both actually Matt, I and Big Tuna. I, if I'm not, I'm fairly confident I'm right on that. None of us liked it, and it is, but it has a huge thing. It is very like, it's not my type of horror for sure. I don't, I don't think you would like it, but I'm not a hundred percent. But sometimes I throw you for a loop. I have one more sure. movie. Mm-hmm. This is going to be controversial, mm. guys. I went to the theaters. Oh, good for you. And I saw Tenet. Oh, okay. Because I just couldn't miss seeing it on the big screen. So we went to a late night show and 
saw it in IMAX. But I don't think I'm going to be going back to the movies again for a while because my concerns were definitely 100%. You know, everything, uh, what I was afraid of it is, people you know. People not being responsible. And- right. I mean, obviously, they're selling concessions and there goes everything. So, um, yeah, I got the, the notification from the Regal app today that they added uh, free refills on large popcorn and soda. But yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Now, I still, though, I am planning on going this week. Um, I don't know for sure if I can fit it into my schedule. My goal is to go this week on a Monday or Tuesday when it's usually our, – our theater is not like your theater because you are in a big city and your theater is often packed. My theater is very rarely packed, and it's usually only on the weekend, and it's usually only for the big blockbusters. Otherwise, it's usually I, – I have seen a lot of movies by myself at my theater or at most like five other people. You know what I mean? Like that's the normal viewing. And I might go. I'm not planning on seeing Tenet first. I'm thinking of going to see the um, the movie with the dude. From, man, my brain just not cooperating. But there's a movie with the dude that plays Billy on Stranger Things, and the girl from oh, yeah. um, Blockers that looks. Yes, that is all about you know I you know I how I am with rom coms that is all about me, and I feel like most likely no one else will be there on a Tuesday night or something. And I, uh, Kathy's and I have been talking about going to the movies. I'm finally free of quarantine. So I think we might do that on a night where it feels like no one will be there kind of thing. And if there are a lot of people there, again, I am willing to bail because I, I still currently have my pass. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm still very apprehensive um, about going, but I feel like my theater is so often slow. Now I could be wrong. People might be going in cra- like crazily because of the lockdown like now that it's finally open maybe they're just flooding out to go to the theaters it doesn't look that way from box office numbers but that doesn't represent individual theaters you know that's overall there's still theaters that aren't open there's still states that won't let theaters open um so the box office numbers are hard to to really tell if that means people are going or not uh to where when they're open but so your experience was bad so that's that's not good well i mean there weren't a lot of people in my theater in my you know Mm-hmm. There were only seven of us, but oh, well, I mean, fun. no, but still. <laughs> um, what yeah. night did you go? We went on a Sunday night at nine forty-five. So a later show on a Sunday—that's that makes sense that it wouldn't be very busy. Yeah, um, you you know, like Monday, Sundays, Mondays, and I think Wednesdays used to be pretty safe. Like all day on Sunday used to be safe, but it's growing so much around here that because we don't like to be in a packed theater. Um, yeah, anyways, right? Like, even before yeah. the virus. Yeah, agreed. Um, and don't sit right next to me, dudes, when there are other seats available. Thank you so much. Especially my not now. But, um, all right. So, yeah. I, I've I've watched a couple episodes of The the Legend of Korra, the uh, sequel to Avatar The Last Airbender. Uh, I'm almost through season two, I think. I'm kind of losing track of where I'm at, but it, I'm working my way through it. Um, I, I mentioned I watched The Babysitter and The Babysitter Killer Queen. I really liked The Babysitter a lot. Killer Queen's good. Um, I need to say something else really fast about those movies. Yes. I am not that familiar with Bella, Bella Thorne, but she is so funny in those movies. Um, she, I think the, the disdain for her comes from outside of her acting. Um, the people who don't like her, like she just recently, like, um, very recently, like right before this movie came out, I don't know if it was a publicity stunt, but she was like, I guess there's some kind of website for oh, yeah. adult entertainment. And she like sold, it's like pay-per-view, I guess. Like, and she sold a lot of, of like, I, I guess it's not tickets. I don't know. Entries, whatever. 
and made a lot of money, like two million dollars or something, in like one thing, and then didn't do anything sexual, like on the screen. Like it was like she teased, basically. I think um, that it was supposed to be like a full nude photo or something, and then it wasn't. But I'm not sure. I read like whatever, one article on it. it. But apparently, like, there's a lot of backlash because now, like, that site has now limited how many, how much, like, the maximum tip can be and things like that. So, like, the people who were making a living doing it are now being kind of punished in a way. Like, they can't make as much money as they were because of her. And so, like, there's a big backlash from that. But, I mean, um, and, like, her, she's a musician, too. and like Is she? Yeah. Well, that might be generous, but she has an album that came out and... I heard like three lyrics, and if you thought, if you think WAP or WAP, is it WAP? I don't know. I've never listened to it. If you think W, well, they don't actually say it. They say the the it's it's an acronym. They say the words. Um, uh, it it, um, man, my brain is just like uh. Anyways, um, that the, the what I remember hearing the lyrics from the Bell Thorns, and I was like, wow, she's not even trying to use euphemisms. It's just like, boom, but. Um, oh, trying to yeah. be hardcore. And she was a Disney star. So that's, you know. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is the I norm. That's, <laughs> yeah. um, she was on a, a show Taylor liked called, um, with Zendaya, though. Uh, they were together. And it was um, some dance show. I don't remember what it was called. But they were like dancers. Like, they were, it was like a sitcom. But they were like wanting to be like dancers. Like, that was their thing. Um, like, not like strippers. You know, I mean, oh, man. I feel so dumb. I We, ugh. Sorry, folks. Uh, clearly, this week has been a, a burden on both of us. Um, let me. So, I've been watching Robert Zemeckis movies because uh, the Blank Check podcast that I love to listen to are doing his whole filmography. And I learned something about myself, Corey. I have seen every Robert Zemeckis film except for five. Okay. And I had not seen his first three films, which is where, of course, they started. So, I was behind by one. Um, and I'd already listened to the episode, but I went ahead and bought it, which is I Want to Hold Your Hand, which, Corey, you will love this movie. It is so up our alley. It's it's about a, a bunch of fans trying to see the Beatles right when they come to the Ed Sullivan show, right? Like, that's the time period. And it's them, like, scheming and trying to figure out how to get there. And it's, it's funny. Um, you've seen Back to the Future, right? Oh, yeah. You know, Marty's sister that she's only in the movie for like a few scenes throughout the trilogy, but she's one of the leads in this movie. Oh. Um, and she's really good in this. So that's Zemeckis gets her here, then brings her back. And she's actually in uh, his second movie and then the Back to the Future trilogy. Um, it has uh, Nancy Allen, who is from Robocop. She's like the partner to Robocop in, in that movie. I don't know if you've ever seen the original Robocop, but she's really good in this. Um, and then uh, have you ever watched Dexter's Laboratory? Oh, yeah, I love that show. You know his, like, nemesis? Um, I can't think of his name. But he's, like, he's got a very distinctive, like, look and voice, and he's, like, you know, all nerdy. Uh, the voice actor who does that character is in this movie as a kid actor. He's, like, a teenager in this movie, but has that oh, voice. God. Like, you will recognize it immediately because it's a – that's not a voice he's doing. That is apparently his voice. So um, – and he's that type of character too. He's very nerdy and knows it all, and it's great. Um, but it's super fun. It's very funny. It moves very quickly. Um, then I watched. I actually watched his third movie uh, after that, which was *Romancing the Stone* with uh, Michael Douglas and um, Kathleen Turner. I think I'm saying that right. I hope it's Kathleen Turner and not somebody else. I will feel dumb. Um, I am correct. And Danny DeVito is in it too. Uh, yeah, I I always heard of this movie, but I'd never seen it. I 
had a blast with this film. I thought it, it's uh, it's that it, action adventure, um, but with a little bit of romance thrown in there. And uh, I I had no idea, but I I had a blast watching it. It was really really entertaining. And then um, I went to his middle movie, which is called Used Cars from 1980. Have you seen this one? Mm-mm. Okay, so you're going to want to watch it because the lead and the first time as an adult and not doing Disney movies is Kurt Russell. What? And, oh, yeah. We stand Kurt Russell here on this podcast, everybody. And this movie, right away, you just see how amazing he is. This is actually – so it's they say it's before his John Carpenter stuff, but he did a movie called Elvis with Carpenter in 79. So – I don't know for sure if this was filmed before Elvis, and so that's why it's his first like adult, like not adult. Again, it's not like an adult movie. Although actually, yes, it is kind of a raunchy comedy at times, um, as was common in like the late seventies, eighties. You know, like there'd be the scene with the gratuitous nudity for whatever reason. But that's it's used for humor, but it's like it doesn't hold up well because of that. Because it's like like it's always men like overly groping women and stuff because it's the eighties and that's what was accepted. Um, but Kurt Russell is fantastic no surprise there um there's a few other people that i know from various movies but i had not seen in anything like this and i it's super funny it's very very good it's called used cars again um just great uh again there's a few parts that are are problematic but overall it's super funny and kurt russell just is powerhouse if you're a fan of kurt russell it's definitely worth uh watching but yeah so the only other two movies of zemeckis's that i've never seen is is uh a few years ago he did a movie called Flight with Denzel Washington, um and I I have that I just haven't watched it yet and then he did the very much not not loved uh Beowulf with his uh oh. he got into the motion capture stuff like real hard um he has like a little run where he does uh Polar Express he does the Jim Carrey Christmas Carol he uses the mocap stuff in Marwin which is a nightmare of a movie in its own right um. And then he did the Beowulf movie, and I, I think I covered that. I think that's all of the mocap stuff, but it's 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 a weird kind of uncanny valley looking thing when you do the mocap. A lot of people don't like Polar Express because of the way it looks. I I enjoy Polar Express. My wife and I watch it literally every Christmas, um, which we do with the, most of those Christmas movies. I've seen Christmas movies way more than I've seen any other movie. Um, but. Uh, yeah, but I'm I'm I was excited because I I really like Robert Zemeckis. Anyways, like I'm a huge fan of Back to the Future. Like the trilogy is one of my favorite trilogies. Like I hold it up in the same regard as like the original Star Wars. Like those two trilogies are like so so important to me. And honestly, the Bill and Ted trilogy is up there right now too, guys. If you haven't seen the new Bill and Ted yet, but um, I I've seen a bunch of his stuff because he's his his career is weird. Like it gets real weird. Obviously, he's done Forrest Gump. Almost everyone's seen Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump's great. It's it's hard to not appreciate Forrest Gump. I I think it's got some flaws, but other people love it. It's it's one of those movies that if like you're non like movie crazy people like me, where we watch way too many. It's to me, it's like Shawshank Redemption or Forrest Gump is often used as like, what's your favorite movie? Forrest Gump, Shawshank Redemption. Oh, those two Forrest movies Gump's so good. Right. It's, it's, I'm not, again, I'm not arguing against it, but Zemeckis, that's where he gets his Oscar and it kind of takes a career turn. And then he does some weird stuff. You know, again, Marwin is, wow. Um, such a weird freaking movie, but, uh, he's supposed to have coming out this year, a movie called the witches, which I think is a remake what? of that old movie. And it's got Anne Hathaway and somebody else is in it. And, um, I'm, I was intrigued, but I don't know if they're going to delay it to 2021 or not. So we'll have to wait and see on that one still, but 
Um, but that's it. That's all. Because I, 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 I literally watched all of those on the weekend, too. And I, like, watched Used Cars um, one morning. Like, I, I watched it. Like, I started watching it, and then I finished it, like, the next morning or something like that. Because I've been, I've been doing that more. Because I'm not, like... I've kind of been slowed down on writing reviews because I'm just like building lessons and stuff for uh, the online classes is time intensive. Like my, my, the rest of my weekend, I'm going to be working probably like, and I even have a, a slower week next week because we have testing. So like, I don't even have a full week worth of classes and I still have stuff I got to do, you know? Um, so I, I've not been writing as much. Um, I'm going to try if I, if I go see something at the theater, I'm going to try to write a review for those things. But I I'm like, I'm doing two podcasts a week. That's going to have to be enough for now for Burke reviews. And if I can fit a review in, I will, but I'm also not forcing, I wrote a lot of reviews in August because of the, the uh, Fantasia film festival. And now it's just like, I just don't have the time. So I'm fitting movies in uh, more casually. Like I'm not watching them. Like I would normally want to watch a movie, like all three of the Zemeckis films I had on while I was doing stuff but I was really like engaged with them and like they kept pulling me in and, and I was watching them more than not, but I don't feel comfortable like writing a review because I definitely didn't give it a hundred percent of my attention. Mm. Um, but with that, I think it's time we take a quick break and when we come back, we will uh, give our review of Mean Streets. And we're back. So let's get the stats on Mean Streets before we get into uh, the thoughts on the film. And this is Martin Scorsese's uh, first feature-length film, if I am not mistaken. I really hope I'm not. I've double-checked myself multiple times, but I always get paranoid. Because um, he's got several shorts beforehand. Um, but Mean Streets is from 1973. has a 96 meta score. Um, a IMDb user score is not... There it is, 7.3, so very highly rated. Um you get obviously Scorsese uh, directed, written, um, co-writes with Mardik Martin, and it says one more credit, which is probably for a book or something. I'm going to click some curious now. Yeah, uh, well, no, I'm sorry. It's it's Martin and Mardik Martin, and then Scorsese has a story credit, which means he uh, obviously adjusted without the the screenplay. Wow, I am, whoo, words. Um. This movie has quite the cast, with Robert De Niro as Johnny Boy, Harvey Keitel as Charlie, uh, David Provel as Tony, uh, Richard Romanus as Michael, who's an important figure in that, um, Amy Robinson as Teresa, who I'm not familiar with, but she looked familiar at the same time. She's in some other Scorsese stuff I've not seen. Um, oh, no, she's a producer, too. Wow, she's got a lot of producing credits. Um, oh, no, she doesn't really act after this. This is her big thing. She has a couple of TV series, but, um, so you want to go first and say your thoughts on, uh, Mean Streets? Mm, I mean, sure. 96 um, Metascore, Corey. 96. <laughs> 96. Well, I think that, um, I mean, I don't know. I enjoyed it. I really liked, um, I feel like he does a really good job with giving us characters that aren't necessarily likable or even people I would want to know, but I still just find them captivating to watch. It's not like a dumpster fire, you know what I mean? No. I don't really know how to explain that. Um, like, these characters, they can be detestable, but you still want to watch them there, you know, very attention-getting. Um 
I liked though that there that chart that he had like this counterpart of in Charlie though. Um yeah. I mean he does really cool stuff with the camera. You know, I I don't always yeah. notice that stuff, but I there were a few scenes that were really cool and really I do like when directors do that stuff and you can feel what the characters are feeling. Or like I'll get kind of nauseous or like I'll feel like oh motion sick or something um yeah I like seeing where this all takes place and I I was really um I don't know I like the soundtrack a lot too yeah I I I agree with that um it was the first time I've really noticed a soundtrack in his movies I guess that's interesting um i don't know i'm i'm really good at missing that with like to me i i end up taking a movie in holistically and uh often if i am aware of the score or the soundtrack it's usually um not a good thing or again sometimes the the filmmaker wants you to be aware of the music and then it's like it's intentional great but sometimes it's like if it jars me out of the fact that i'm watching a movie it, it bugs me more often than it doesn't um not always, but again, sometimes uh, there are examples of people who like love the score of I Will Always Go to uh, It Follows because oh. it's a beloved score by so many. And I was like, so it took good. me out of the movie. It's so, it's so loud. Um, it was just it's like, unnerving. Bah! Yeah, I guess. But uh, I don't know. For me, it was just like, whatever. I was so against that movie. I think when I went into it, I was just like. Why? Whatever. I know you just were like, nope. <laughs> I just, I think it's such an obvious allegory, like, and, and I, they don't follow their own rules. I will always nitpick that because it's like, it comes right at you. It's like, why is he on the roof then? Like, there was no coming right at her. She wasn't on the roof. And and then like, he gets her and he doesn't do anything. He just tugs her hair around. Stupid movie. Like, so Mean Streets. Um, I, I love Harvey Keitel. I don't think I've seen him in enough stuff. Like, you know, he does a couple of the Tarantino things, but he's so good in Reservoir Dogs. And then uh, he has the small part as the cleaner in Pulp Fiction, which is fantastic. Um, But uh, this movie, like, I I was really connected to his character. I thought, um, not that I, like, oh, I'm like him. But, like, I'm just like, he is trying to both be a good person and this other guy. Like, he is so at odds with himself, right? Like, he knows what he should do and that he won't do it because he wants to be a good friend to Johnny. But, like, Johnny doesn't earn the friendship, like, ever. Johnny's just awful. Like, feel like he has no concern for his own well-being. No. <laughs> like, <laughs> he, he is—he is a like a, a a lit fuse, right? Like he's just waiting to explode. And uh, I feel like he played that character so well. I mean, he plays oh, yeah. those characters very well um, because he's the kind of person that if I had the unfortunate whatever to be around i would just probably be stressed out out of my mind he's he's so um honestly what's interesting is that like to me harvey keitel in this movie the the character actually of charlie is more the type of role that we see de niro play later like the kind of more cool calm collected guy and not the the manic like gonna get everybody in trouble guy um and i thought that was really interesting because de niro really takes the keitel role in the future Scorsese stuff, like even, I mean, raging bull, he's, he's more of a hothead, but he's still like, he's still more controlled than 
um, Johnny, right? Johnny's like super manic. Like you don't know what you're gonna get out of Johnny, and he's 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 friendly, right? Like he's like I and then when it's time to like get serious, he's scary. Like he's super scary. Um, and then you see like Taxi Driver. He's very torn and and, and conflicted. And again, that just speaks volumes to De Niro's ability. But I for a long time have associated De Niro more with the kind of calm guy he's gonna say like the scary thing and he's gonna be very serious like in goodfellas and in the irishman um even in like the meet the parents trilogy which is i don't i'm not a fan of but he's like he's that calm scary like he's he's so composed at moments where other people would be losing their mind that you're just like oh you know like what's he gonna do and so seeing him in this role was really fun and he's having it looks like he's having a blast he's ruining everybody else's life, but he's like, he's having a good time. <laughs> um, I mean, we guess. <laughs> well, I mean, we're kind of told cause he's like, he's gambling. He's like, Oh, I'm having a great time. And then he's just like, he, he's constantly avoiding people because he's doing the wrong things over and over and over again. Um, and then there is the kind of the weird relationship with Teresa, like um, that, like Charlie's hiding for some reason that I didn't fully grasp exactly why he was hiding it. Like, uh, it sounds like it's partly of his image, like he can't settle down kind of thing, but um but I found it really compelling and uh overall, like I mean it's it's not real plot heavy. Like it's more about like a character study about who these guys are and like the plot's more overarching of him trying to like become a, a made man kind of thing and it it not working out very well in the in the general sense, right? Because even like I'm looking at the Wikipedia and the plot's like five very short paragraphs. Like it's it's summed up pretty quickly because there's not it's not really about that. It's all these really cool scenes and like you said, there's some really great cinematography. I think there's some really strong performances both from Kaitel and De Niro are just super on on the money. Um, yeah, it's uh, I mean I I have no complaints. Um, it's it's. It's stressful, I guess. Like, I, I don't feel like it's the most stressed I've ever been watching a movie like this, but the characters are definitely like, just like, oh, why, why are you doing that? Stop. Stop, Johnny. Like, stop being that guy. But it's that guy. It's like, you're also like, yeah, but he's not going to stop. I totally know he's not going to stop. Um, but yeah. Do uh, you have anything else before we get to spoilers? No. All right. Let's move into spoilers, Corey. Guys, from here on out, we are going to talk about Mean Streets in great detail. You have been warned. So, all right. So there's a couple of scenes that I full I didn't like fully grasp when they happened. Uh, when the guy kills the guy at the bar, um, when he goes into the bathroom and he's super drunk, I didn't know who the guy was. I'm like, am I supposed to know who this guy is who's getting shot in the back? And and it was scary though because he gets shot five times or so in the back, and he goes after the guy, and then he gets shot in the like the side. Like, but in the front, like, like towards, it's more like it's away from the heart. So he's just like hit or whatever. But he keeps going after the guy. It's like insane. Yeah, that was pretty wild. Um, but I kind of loved it. it oh when it yeah, was yeah. When it was happening, I was like, "This, you know, what's the likelihood of this like happening in real life?" But I mean, I really don't know. But um, I thought that it was a pretty cool scene, and it was unexpected. Yes, for sure. Because even like he takes his hair down when he before he kills him, and I wasn't sure what the reason for that was. It was a guy, right? Like that shoots him. Yeah, that's what I thought. Well, 
I mean, that comes back at the end. Yes, yes. He that is the guy who shoots uh, Johnny is the guy who shot the guy at the bar, right? That's the what everyone I, in the car. Yeah. yeah, and didn't they like explain that during the movie too? That sometimes these kids come in and do stuff like that so that they can get on good terms with like the crime bosses and then be hired on and stuff. Yeah. Which I'm sorry, I'm like reading like details. Um, just because I'm like, wait, it was like the way he shoots that ending is intense too. It's so crazy. Yeah, like how do you even do that in a moving car? Um. Both cars moving, though. And obviously the guy at the bar had to tell them where where they were going or whatever. Charlie and Johnny Boy had gone because they were in his car and how else would they you know that? Yeah. Dude, you, um... you just see him like he, like he just has no concerns, Johnny Boy. Like he... Obviously, keeps borrowing money from different people around town. He owes two thousand dollars in the and I guess seventy three. I would love to know how much money that is now. Um, and he just like spends money, like you know, knowing that he has all these debts. And I feel like everyone is very gracious with him, and he just oh, yeah. takes and takes and takes and takes. And the whole time, I'm like, Charlie, what are you doing? Like, at some point, someone, you know what I mean, like. Yeah, big we watched time. enough Sopranos. <laughs> you know, at some point, somebody's gonna come and get him, and you've been in the way for too long, man. Um, but I liked um Charlie's character a lot. Um, like, and also seeing his relationship with his uncle and how like his uncle is on. I feel like his uncle's like a different. Oh, such a different level. As like he's he's so composed. The the scenes at dinner, he's so composed, and he never like to me that type of like gangster because that's he's he's a like a head. He's a threatening guy. You can tell like people are afraid of him, but he doesn't come off as menacing. He comes off as like like when the 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 guy who owns the restaurant comes to like apologize to him, he's like no no, you know he's just like he doesn't even seem like he's being disingenuous. He's like stop stop you don't need to say anything like we'll talk later well even like i yeah keeping the business separate um and private um too but like even when charlie's talking to him about that and he's saying that he thinks that the guy at the restaurant is lying and blah 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 he's like well i believe that his restaurant is not doing well like just seeing that difference and i know that it's not the case but it kind of like made me feel like oh that's old business and then this other guy what's his name the guy who keeps trying to get the money from john johnny boy is it tony um michael's the one trying to get the money from johnny boy. michael okay tony, um, tony runs the bar like this old school and like or like old business new business i don't know like i could see michael going around and shooting somebody up but not really the uncle i feel like which maybe he does. I know that's... I don't know how to explain what I'm saying. Never mind. Well, like, I like seeing... One of the reasons... Because you've talked about, like, why do I get into these, like, studies of film people? Like, you know, right now we're watching all Scorsese movies. You're not always a fan of that. No. Um, I feel like you might be with this one, though. Because this is three... Like, I know we, we weren't both, like, hot on Age of Innocence, but there was, like, no real negative. Well, because I feel like all of his movies are different enough. I feel like... Mm. 
with some directors it's just more of the same sometimes it's like and i mean like he has a lot of the you know he we keep seeing these characters that are not very likable and they're our main characters or they're one of the main characters and so they take a lot of our attention and a lot of the screen time but like they're all just so different and all the stories are so different like the time period like we've had different time periods i don't know i just think that he mixes it up enough well i mean okay uh, there, you're not wrong about what you, both things you just said. One, that's one of the reasons why I love setting directors because I, I want to hear what they think, and I also want to hear them grow, which I think you see with Scorsese a lot. Um, especially because let's look at two of the, his movies, uh, real quick. This movie, our main character, um, we see him go to church multiple times, and his voiceover, we hear a lot of his thoughts about religion, and he's struggling with like the life he's living and the life he feels like he's supposed to be living because of his religious beliefs. Right. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, I, we hear a lot about Catholic guilt. Yes. And what a religion to be a part of and also try to be a gangster. Right. But that, I think this is an important detail because Scorsese throughout his career has worked around his religious beliefs and the struggle he has with them. And that's where silence finally happens um, with uh, Andrew Garfield and um, Adam Driver and Liam Neeson, um, where it was a movie he'd been trying to get made, but no one wanted to make it because they didn't think it would be big commercial. It's not commercial. It's amazing. It's a brilliant film. It's very, very tough to watch, but it, it is mm -hmm. about that exact thing. It's a, like, you know, the guilt, the, uh, the faith, the devout faith, no matter what, in the face of adversity, giving up everything. And you see those like patterns throughout his films. And of course, um, this character has a voiceover. Goodfellas is one of the most like iconic uses of Ray Liotta's voiceover throughout the, he's telling the story. You get, um, voiceover in age of innocence, if I'm not mistaken, but I don't remember, we don't know who the voice is, right? That was one right. of the things. It's just, it's just a woman narrating, um, maybe the author, I think, is what that we read last time. And then um, I can't remember for sure. I've only seen Taxi Driver once. And I don't think there's Same. voiceover in that. But um, but it's a it's a technique he uses from time to time. He does use the, the POV shots uh, to, like, hit certain moments. He doesn't do them all the time. He has really good tracking shots when he wants to, like, do one-ers and stuff. They're, they're always really solid steady cam shots. Um, and he does some handheld stuff to make things feel gritty and like you're in the moment with those characters and some of the action and intensity. Yeah. Um, and you know, those, uh, stylistically he is, do you see that pattern emerge now? Um, he likes to dabble. And, and again, another thing that I think is important to know is that we, we talked about with both Raging Bull, um, Goodfellas, the Casino, the Irishman, they're all based on either biographies of people like their their own books, autobiographies or biographies, and or they're based on books like Age of Innocence. Like he likes to pull from other source material um, and adapt it, which I, I'm not criticizing uh, at all. I think that's one of the things I don't feel like we appreciate enough adaptations because I think so often you hear about like book to movie when the book was really big, right? Like Hunger Games getting adapted. It's like, oh, Hunger Games did so well. And now there's a movie, Harry Potter. Oh, but he's pulling books that maybe you haven't heard of or did really well at the time, but aren't like this, you know, iconic story that people are attached to. And he makes it an iconic story. He brings it into a light that maybe wasn't there before. Um, 
which, which a lot of movies are like that. Not just Scorsese. I think we just don't we don't always know that a movie was a book because mm-hmm. it wasn't a big book beforehand. Fair. I or love books, idea. and yes. I um have no problems with reading a book after I've watched the movie. Like I have Raging Bull on my to read list. Um, it's kind of a hard book to get a hold of, though. Um, yeah. It might be a little pricey, guys, if you go looking for it, but look on the used book sites. You might have some luck. Um, so I I like when I learn about a book from a movie. Yeah. Because my, I don't know, my to-read list is always growing. But, um, yeah. Yeah, and I'm just, like, I, I'm making an argument that um, the thing that you are claiming is not wrong, but it's also the thing that I love. And it just so happens, Scorsese is very diverse. Um, I do like patterns. Like I love Wes Anderson style in his movies and I am content with those. And I, I love the Coen brothers. And I think you can make a very strong argument that some of their movies feel very similar, um, especially tonally. But that's one of the reasons I like their movies because I like their tone. But then again, you have a movie like Inside Lou Davis dark. that is different, right? Like, I, That's my favorite of their movies. Like, It is my favorite as well. Um, I, I, but I, yeah. It's I think that speaks to us on on multiple levels. Um it's not just their style, it's also like about a musician and it's Oscar Isaac in just the oh, perfect so movie great. for him. And then I the tone and the, the freaking humor uh it's like, like yes! the, <laughs> I love like that awkward feeling that you're laughing and they want you to laugh like we talk about mm-hmm. this sometimes. You're like, "Oh, it's for humor." But still you feel a little bit bad about it. Like Yeah. I don't know. I uh, kind of like that awkwardness. I, I love that movie so, so much. Um, and there's there's so many layers to that movie, too, like to really dissect it. And that's I, I, I'm a huge Cohen fan. I'm actually I just taught uh, Hail Caesar to my first year students. Mm. And it's been really cool seeing their reactions. Most of them have no familiarity with the studio system. So I'm introducing them to that at the same time, using that movie as like a way of this is what it used to be like in Hollywood. Um you know, pe- people were under contract and they had to follow the studio's rules and guidelines. And, um, but then, uh, uh for my Western unit, we're, we're, gonna, they just, they're watching Shane, which I'm a big fan of, but we're going to be uh, following it up with no country for old men, which is a neo-Western. Um, and so me too. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't, we don't mean to go into Cohen's right now, but I am, a, I am a Scorsese fan. There's a lot more movies of his that I have not seen. I didn't realize how, extensive his filmography is and he he their movies get more and more diverse i think like you said when you compare it to like the coens their films are are very you know similar at times um i think scorsese's are as well but they're not always as obvious that they're connected like remember when we were talking about age of innocence i read ebert's review and he pointed out the similarities that i had completely overlooked and it's a lot of times because it's not the source material that is it's not like the the topic is the thing that he's talking about. It's the theme behind the topic that this idea of like family and trying to fit in and and um, think of like Teresa's ostracized because she has epilepsy here, dude. Right? Like they're like uh, sometimes I have a hard time with things in movies. Like it's so dated. Like they call her sick in mm-hmm. the head because she has epilepsy. Like. But it's it, at the time, like even if you made yeah. the movie now, if you made the movie today and you said it at that time period, that would be what you would have to do because that was the attitude about epilepsy. 
Yeah. It's just sometimes, like, I forget what movie we watched recently, and they were, like, you know, using that gay slur that I hate so much. Yeah. Like, all over the well, place. And I'm just like, ugh, I know it's of the time. I know that, but I still hate it. <laughs> like, why? Well, that's, that's one of the criticisms about Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure is that they, they hug and call themselves, you know, they not call themselves, but they're, like, they get upset that they've hugged because it's 88 and you're not allowed to hug a guy because you were gay and that was not okay in 88. Um, you would get beat up or whatever. So like they, they hug and like, Oh, F you know, I don't want to say the word, but you know, the, the word I'm assuming you were just referring to. Yeah. Um, and that's, it stinks because it is, it, it's a, a scar on that film. That's otherwise so optimistic and upbeat. And then there's just that one moment um, where homophobia is present because it was a thing at that time. And um, uh, this year, again, I'm not excusing it. And I don't, I feel like Scorsese's not uh, uh, like acting like it's okay either. And that's one of the things I, I often feel with him is I don't ever feel like he is judging the characters. Like yeah. we, we see them saying that and we're like, Oh, that's wrong. And I think that comes across that he's like, is it, it's wrong, right? Like he shouldn't have treated her like that because she seems like a great person otherwise. But um and he clearly seems to love her, but he's afraid of loving her because of that, that ostracization. But then the reason I brought it up was if you look at Age of Innocence and Michelle Pfeiffer's character is ostracized because her she wants a divorce at a time when you wouldn't get a divorce. So while the reasoning is different, it's that same dynamic that's being explored. It was like trying to be accepted by this bigger group, this social group, and yet somehow just being on the outside. And he has to tell the woman he loves he can't be with her because of that ostracization ostracization i don't know if that's even a word because she's ostracized he can't be with the woman he loves because of that so that same theme is happening in both of these movies that are completely different on the surface but when you look at what they're tackling and how they're dealing with it and again it's the same director he's that must be something he struggles with you know like wanting to be accepted by the bigger group but also being afraid of that like that social pressure that comes with that you know Mm -hmm. and he explores that in a lot of movies and uh Again, that's that's the thing, and I think maybe what makes him stand out above some of the other directors, though, in some people's eyes, is because he's able to explore it in such a diverse landscape, and each film looks so different, and each film feels slightly different, but yet he's still working through these things as if he's exploring it through um, time. Like, d- were these things always an issue? And yeah, it seems like, yes, they were always an issue. I mean, again, the silence, if you look, the social pressure. He wants to be a devout priest but the place he's at is pressuring him to to you have to denounce your faith that's like the ultimate moment at the end of that movie is him having to decide to either continue to believe or renounce it shattering everything he's been fighting for but the pressure is so strong you know um and it's a little more than social pressure i guess at that point it's like political pressure but still it's that same idea of of being true to who you are despite the the people around you and that's uh, that's what i love like it's so it's so interesting to see a person exploring their beliefs through cinema you know mm-hmm. um because it's, it's like you're having a conversation with the person without hearing their exact thoughts but they're like let me show you instead you know um because think of how many times where it's hard to put to words but you're like man if i could just show you and that's what the filmmakers like Scorsese get to do is they show us their thoughts. And if we're willing to have that conversation, we can learn a whole lot about them, but also about ourselves. Cause if these are topics that affect us as well. So, you know, you find filmmakers who speak your language and you stick with it. 
Well, uh, Mean Streets, I, I'm going to say, um, I think I'm going to say it's a must-see film. I, I don't know that it's in my normal, in the sense, like, I don't know that this will be one I revisit all the time. Um, mm. But I, I, I'm, I mean, Scorsese, I, it's Scorsese, guys. I don't know if you know this, but he's a really good filmmaker. Like, you know, hot idea. take. Hashtag <laughs> hot take. Um, but seriously, uh, if you haven't seen it like us, I say watch it. Corey, what do you think? I'm going to say the same. And I appreciate your, uh, you know, that talk there. Because I, I think that he is presenting those themes in different ways. So it still is interesting to me. And I don't feel like I'm watching the same thing over and over again. But you say it so eloquently. Well, I went teacher mode and I apologize. Um, no, don't. But, uh, you know, I have been teaching film all week. So it is like, it's fun to do. Uh, it's fun to t- like, talk about that. Because I, I was really encouraged today. Um, this is, We'll end with this thought. I, I asked a room full of first year film students. Um, because there's a quote in Hail Caesar. Where he says, um, you, you'll, I can't, I'm not going to pull it for verbatim, but he basically says, if you're going to do what you're supposed to do because the picture has worth and you have worth if you work for the picture or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Eddie Mannix says that to George Clooney's character and Baird. And um, I asked him, I'm like, what do you, th-? you know, that was one of their questions on their, their slides was like, what do you think this means? And, um, uh, a few, you know, said like, "Well, I think it means this. I think it means that." And they were kind of like missing the essence of the question. It was more about like there. He's saying that movies matter, and if movies matter, then this has meaning. And so then I, I re, I re-says the question was just like, "Do you think movies are important?" Um, and I was I was reassured because not only did they say yes, I, th- I think movies are important, but they gave bigger reasons than just because they're entertaining like they they saw like they saw some of like economically like a lot of people work on a movie right like we always think of the actors and directors and it's like oh it's hard to be those people but movie studios employ a lot of people and they could pay them better for sure they could have better benefits for some of the pas and stuff but nonetheless millions of people get paid for working on a movie so in the economic sense they're important and, and the, part of what's happening right now is there's no productions going on in most places but what were you about to say oh it trickles down like mm-hmm. because movie theaters and right. i mean even like all of the companies that make the concessions and stuff get all of that business from the movies but I, then oh yeah. the the opportunity that movies give us because um we forget sometimes but like i've never left this the country before but i've seen the world I mean, I'd love to actually see it, but I've seen, I've seen places and and exotic locations. I've seen perspectives that I otherwise could never have, right? Like I've seen what it is to be a crime boss. I've seen what it is to be a black man. I've seen what it is to be a gay black man growing up in Miami, you know, because of movies, something that I would never be privy to if movies didn't exist. And so them, them making that connection and seeing the value of art and that it's more than just entertainment, that it can give insight into not only who someone else is, but also to who we are and how we feel. It was reassuring um, that my job is, is more than just putting pictures on the, on the wall for them to stare at for an hour. You know, like they're getting it and they're getting it so quick. Um, and again, some of them are coming in with that. They already are. Uh, of all of my, my last few years, I, I've only had a couple people who are like, movies are the career path I want to go. But I think I have like five freshmen who are all like gung-ho about be, being filmmakers. 
and it's so exciting for me to to have that. I, I love any of my students, whether they want to be in film or not, because I can introduce them to a career through film, just like I said with traveling the world. You can find a job you didn't know existed because of a movie or something like that. You can find your passion. You didn't know you were into skateboarding until you saw Lords of Dogtown or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like You can find who you are through film. And so I'm content with just that. But the fact that I have like five kids who are like actively wanting to do this as a career and, and are showing me that, like the, the movies that they're bringing up and that they've, they are, they're doing what I did. They're diving into films that they otherwise, most people would either avoid or not even know existed, you know, because it's like, oh, it's old. I don't watch old movies or I don't like musicals or I hate Westerns or whatever. It's, they're like actively seeking them out. So it's, it's always exciting for me that, especially in a world where TV is becoming so, so, uh, equal and and so consumable it has dropped in big you know buffet style troughs for us to just binge on for the weekend um i feel a little attacked sorry but <laughs> i mean i, I assume also I, not don't like musicals i assume that you will be uh watching ratchet before the end of the weekend um uh, you what are you not interested in that movie how um I mean, I probably will, show. but I'm not like, show. yeah, it's a show. Um, but I'm not like, you know, dying to see it. Man, Sarah Paulson though, she's so great. She um, is. And and I I forget, I feel like the showrunner is somebody good too. And of course, I am a fan of uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, so I am very curious to see this prequel series of Nurse Ratchet. But I don't know if I'll jump into it or not uh, yet. But it's on the list of many, many ever growing lists. But that's it, folks. We are done. Um, you can, uh, if you like what we're doing, you can follow us on social media. I'm at Burke Reviews. Corey. At Corey R Star, two R's on the end. And uh, we will be back next week with our last Martin Scorsese movie for the year, at least, I think, um, unless he shows up in some other list. But uh, we'll be watching Cape Fear from 1991, 93. It's one of those. It's, it's early in the 90s. Uh, it's one of his only remakes um, that he remade someone else's film. Uh, does have De Niro in it, which is the only movie that we watched this month that doesn't have De Niro is Age of Innocence, which I can't believe he didn't squeeze him in there somewhere. Um, I wonder what happened. Maybe at Cape Fear it didn't do well enough or he was creeped out by him in Cape Fear or something like that. But they would do some other movies uh, after that. But for some reason, he's not in Age of Innocence. Um, but we'll be back with our review for that next week. Until next time, keep watching movies. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast, burkereviews.com.